Welcome back. We are on. We are coming to you with a new episode. This time with a uh, friend from work named yeah. Stephen, who likes to call himself Scorpion. <laughs> That's a callback. <laughs> so normally I give a disclaimer about using coarse language, but we're going to do this one clean because mm. we have a we have Stephen here with us, who is very clean. Squeaked clean, he could slide across the floor just sitting on his butt. Not even doing anything. Well, about all that. Yeah. I don't know, you're big enough, you could be a human slid. Uh, so, yep, the, the topic at hand today, and it's one I've been really pumped up to do. I'm super excited because we've got so much going on in the world of the world of wrestling now. It is This episode is all about wrestling. So, I'm just like, I'm super stoked. So, like, uh, I do want to, like, just kind of start it off just going around the table. And I'll actually start with Steven since he's a guest today. Uh, what got you into wrestling in the first place? And when do you think was about the time you got into it? My earliest memories of wrestling would be me and my cousins get sitting around the television watching WCW Saturday night. And that's been years and years ago. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, they but, went off the air in like 2001. But those are my earliest memories of wrestling. And then we started doing like backyard stuff, like weapons and all that crap. And yeah, my love for wrestling just grew from there. But then after WCW went out of business, there for a short little window, I quit watching. But then one day I turned on WWF Raw and saw the Hardy Boys. And I just, I kept yeah. watching. it. That hooked me in. And I kept watching and it just snowballed from there. And then I quit watching right around 06 when WWE botched the EC book. Yeah. Um, and then I just kind of lost interest in it and I quit watching it. and. I've tuned in here and there, like when Sting made his debut in the WWE, I watched yeah. then. I was watching that pay-per-view, the Survivor uh, Series. Yeah, when Goldberg came back. Um, so pretty much anything that had to do with WCW. Anytime they brought back an old WCW <laughs> hero of mine, I would watch, but... Sounds about right. Yeah, you didn't do it when they brought back David Arquette. <laughs> Just don't need it. <laughs> oh man so. but then uh, I watched TNA too mid 2000s yeah. I watched TNA the X Division specifically and then I don't know there was some pretty pretty good like upper tier like main event level guys that yeah. were good back then I mean you had Booker <laughs> T Booker Jeff T Garrett, Ric Flair Jeff Jarrett Sting. Sting the Who's Who Kurt Angle you know um that was actually where uh, we first saw Ron, uh, R-Truth now, right. but back then he was Ron Killings. And then back then you had AJ Styles being the face of TNA. Yeah. He was he wrestled in their very first match. Yep. It was like a six He was there tag. when they opened the doors. He, got, he had him, Bobby Roode, uh, Lashley got his start in TNA. You had uh, Monty Brown. Yeah. He had a short stint with TNA. I think he went to WWE for a little while too, but they didn't. He didn't, they didn't use him much. Yeah. But yeah. And then they, they brought him in on ECW, didn't they? I think so. Yeah. yeah. And then of course I saw CM Punk 
Oh, make yeah. his debut in ECW. Well, the WWE sanitized version of ECW. Yeah. And then I just I wasn't a fan of how they took ECW and basically just turned it into a third WWE brand. Yeah, it just which anybody should have saw that coming anyway. Yeah. But then I mean I had some faith when I found out that Paul Heyman was actually going to be like quote unquote behind it. Yeah. But after seeing it for the first few weeks, I was like, no, this is this is not ECW. But again, we got CM Punk out of it. So, yep. I mean, that was a plus that came out of that. Then they turned that time slot into NXT. Yeah. But I just, I never got into it. I pretty much had quit watching by then. Yeah. And then pretty much stayed out until AEW. Yeah. All Elite Wrestling on TNT, buddy. It was the first time in years <laughs> that TNT had had a wrestling show. But before that, they were already, already gaining steam with a Double or Nothing and All yeah. Out. Before weekly yeah. television, before they got their weekly show on TNT. Oh, when they did, though, it was something great. That it is, was, the nostalgia was yeah. crazy. Almost brought me to tears in a sense, because it just... But to hear Tony Schiavone yeah. say, make the words, for the first time since 2001. Wrestling is on TNT. That, yep, that sent was, chills. It did. It chills. And I've, I've been hooked ever since. So, like, uh, I can remember, um, I, I don't even have a definite, like, spot where I remember getting into wrestling. It was, like, always in my life because my granddad always watched it. Every, ever since he found it, I think it was on Channel 6 back when there was only, like, four channels around here. He'd been watching it ever since. He watched, like, NWA, AWA, uh, WCCW, anything that came in the Mid-Atlantic area on the TV, yeah. he watched it. And then from there, uh, obviously, I didn't actually like pick up steam with it until wcw because i was watching back when sting was still on top just i started watching i do remember seeing him just before he started the uh the black and white gimmick when he went away yeah so that was like what 95 96 yeah it was like that's mid, the farthest back i can remember but my family only watched wcw i did not know what wwf was until 2001 when wcw went off the air it yeah. was when we started watching WWF, which even then, it was a while before we actually tuned in. It was just before, they, they had just started their WWE commercials, like get the yeah, F out. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. I'd already like missed most of the invasion angle, so I didn't have to suffer through that garbage of a storyline. I kind of, when I started watching WWF, the invasion storyline was kind of, I caught kind of the tail end of it. Like, I, yeah. I remember when Stone Cold joined the Alliance. I remember that. I remember the feud with him and Kurt Angle had. That was a good feud. Yeah. Their match, well, their matches at uh, Unforgiven and No Mercy, they were, they had some amazing matches. WWE back then was just on yeah, a I mean, different they, level. They were, I mean, well, their storylines were mostly crap, but, they're, but they actually had good matches. I mean, you had... The, the street fight between uh, Kurt Angle and uh, Shane McMahon at yeah. King of the Ring in 2001. That was a great match. Yeah. You had uh, Undertaker versus Triple H at WrestleMania 17, which was a good match. I mean, same thing with The Rock and Hulk Hogan, as much as I don't really like Hogan. That was insane. They had some good matches back yeah. then. I mean, they were they were the top, the then top I remember, place to go. Yeah, cause, I remember when uh, NWO, 
I remember the Vince McMahon promo. Yeah. He turns around in the chair and reveals the NWO logo. I lost it. I came unglued when I saw that. Yeah, and then that storyline unfolded. And it just just, got crap. But when the NWO came back, you know, because they started adding new members on Monday Night Raw, and I'm talking Monday Night Raw for me back then, of course, different people have different opinions about it, but for me back then, you know, just to see the NWO again, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I've still got a black shirt somewhere. You know, and I wanted to know, like, I was on the edge of my seat. I wanted to know, like, who's going to be the next one to join, you know? Yeah. You had uh, Booker T join, Big Show join. Shawn Michaels was the big surprise for that one. And then, and of course, Booker T. Yeah. Hogan had so much steam behind He had so much momentum. The yeah. crowd was behind him. And so he couldn't really be an effective heel because all the crowd was cheering him, and they loved him. And so he turned face, and so they had to add somebody else, and they brought in X-Pac to replace Hogan. But, yeah, I could go all day. Yeah. So before we actually dig into that, let let us go back to the the glory days of WCW. We're talking 98, which was, to me, was the peak year because that was when you had the outsiders come in, that was when you had that whole establishment. That was pre-NWO, pretty much. And that was just like the peak, because the NW, once the NWO was actually established at Bash at the Beach, yeah. that just, it took off. And just that one, that era has yet to be seen again. Although, That'll never be duplicated. Although, we are very close, because somebody pointed it out on the other day on TikTok. I mean, I still scroll through and see stuff, and I've got a couple of wrestling things on there. Um, it was actually uh, Bubba Ray was actually doing a podcast, and he said, like, if you think about it, AEW has already got Arn Anderson, Tully Blanchard, yeah, and we just heard that they may possibly have Ric Flair as yep. a coach. Yep. You've got three-fourths of the original four, four horsemen, horsemen. Yep. and they have never been well, in the same Malenko, place like that in action. They got Malenko, too. They got Dave, Dave, uh, Dean Malenko? Malenko is on staff at AEW as, like, a trainer or a coach or something. That's cool. I mean, I, I didn't see last night's episode, sadly, because I don't have cable right now, because I know Hooven 2 Guerrero was coming back, yeah. and I, I really want to go back and watch that. I, have, I haven't I have watched haven't watched that yet. I'll probably but, watch a little bit of it tonight. But yeah, in WCW, you had the NWO come in. That was the peak, and it was just, it was a game changer. It was like, that was when it really just, you know, that was something nobody had ever seen. They brought it's in like, the think. ultimate baby face, and they just made him heal, which was yeah. unheard of. It's crazy to think back then, especially when the NWO started taking off, WCW was the number one wrestling company in the world at that point. Yeah, and they were stationed just south of us. They were number one. WWF was like, WCW had surpassed the WWF. WWF was, of course, like WWF had a stranglehold for years. Yeah. You know, WCW had humble beginnings. They were a distant number two. Yeah, they uh they actually start uh before they were a thing you know they had the territories like way back in the day. Yep, then Vince drove them all out of business. Yeah, um they started just buying them up because back then you had like world class championship wrestling, you had the National Wrestling Alliance, you had the uh, what was the AWA? I want to say it was uh, a American Wrestling Association. So. Yeah, so. and you had um, uh, Lord, I can't remember all the other ones. I mean, they're if you've ever looked at the territory map of back then. Good Lord. I mean, it was it was something else. Yeah. I mean, it was very just crazy to think that 
all that was going on at the same time and that there wasn't an actual like single entity yeah. known as WWF. Because back then it was WWWF. It was Worldwide Wrestling Federation yeah. and they were they had shows in Madison Square Garden. That was pretty much it. Yeah. And that was their territory. And then oh uh, Vince McMahon Junior came up, he got control of it. Uh they did WrestleMania and just that was where it started. Which they had already started buying them by then anyway, but because they, well, actually that was just before they started buying them because WrestleMania was actually done on a whim on just like, you know, last ditch effort kind of thing to try yeah. to push themselves to that level. And it worked, obviously, because we've gotten, what, almost 40 WrestleMania since yeah. then. Yeah, that's it's hard, crazy. It's hard to that's think. Crazy. I can remember watching WrestleMania 20. I do seeing see. Eddie Guerrero wrestle Kurt Angle for the WWE Championship. I remember Chris Benoit winning the World Heavyweight. It was the triple. It was a triple threat. It was a Triple H, Shawn Michaels, and Chris Benoit. Yeah, and Chris Benoit won. I remember that. That's the last Eddie came out. I remember seeing Eddie came out. They had their moment together in the ring, and it was just like I'll never. I have yeah, yet to actually was... feel that same feeling again. Even though that was WWF or WWE, sorry. Even though that was WWE at the time. That's still just that moment of seeing both of them in the same ring wearing that gold with tears in both of their eyes. Yeah. Just that, 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 the radicals from WWE. Yeah, that did, that just like was a whole new feeling that I have yet to actually feel again. Although I came close when, uh, uh, when Cody Rhodes and Dustin Rhodes had their match at a All Out, I think it was, because that was before they were uh, televised. I think so. Yeah, because before they had Double or Nothing, and the main event of that yeah. was uh, Jericho and uh, Hangman Page. Yeah, Jericho won. The... Yeah. Then it all out, uh, Dustin and Cody had their match, and that was when I felt that same feeling again. Like, wrestling felt alive. Yeah. I think that was really the... Which, I love Double or Nothing, because I did see some of it after it had released, but when I saw that match, it just, like, you know, that felt like... Oh man, I I can't even put into words how it felt. I mean, yeah. it was just like I felt it in here, and I hadn't felt it that down there in a while. But uh, a little bit of background though, uh, my family used to run a wrestling show, so I got to learn a lot about the uh, inside behind the curtain, about the squared circle and everything. Like, uh, for example, I learned, uh, you know how you see them uh, wipe their feet sometimes when they yeah. go in the ring. You know what that actually means. Uh -oh. That actually means they're dusting their feet off because they're stepping into the circle for the people that came before. It's a sign. It's a sign of respect. Because I got to where I did that. Because I used to kind of just kind of mess around in that ring, and I, it just became habit. That's just what I did. The most notorious wrestler I remember doing that was Ric Flair. Yeah, Ric Flair did. AJ Lee did it when she was wrestling. If you go back and watch, she did it every time she climbed into that ring. I definitely remember Flair doing that. But, okay, anyway, back to WCW, you know, had the NWO, and I th it was about 90, it was right there at the tail end of 99, into 2000, that was when it started just yeah. nosediving, yeah. and I mean, it nosedived quick. WCW got desperate around that time frame, because, you know, they, right around 1999, they had fired, um, Eric Bischoff. They yeah. sent Eric Bischoff home. Yeah. And brought in Vince Russo. Yeah. But then they saw that Russo they saw that Russo wasn't doing any good, so they got Eric to come back. So I do want to pitch a theory to you. 
and I've been, I've been thinking about this for years, and it's 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 just a conspiracy theory of my mind, just kind of sitting down thinking too much, which happens a lot. Mm-hmm. Do you think that Vince McMahon sent Vince Russo to WCW to sabotage it? <laughs> I mean, just think about that for a minute. I mean, it would make sense because, I mean, when you're in that level of business and you're getting dethroned after being on the top for 20-plus years, yeah. I mean, that'll that'll push you to the point of uh, doing drastic measures. So I, I thought about past Yeah, I mean, I've, I've thought about that before, and on the one hand, I'm like... It's gotten merit, but on the other hand, Vince Russo's an idiot when it comes to wrestling. Yes. I mean, he had a, he had a few decent ideas here and there because he actually invented the King of the Mountain match in TNA, which is not a terrible match. I no. mean, it, with the right people in it, it's it's a yeah. it's a dang good match. But it's just like, golly, such an idiot. <laughs> it just that really sticks in my bra. Just Vince Russo and the rest and the word wrestling in the same sentence. Russo to me, which that's why which you saw his we saw history repeat itself because that's how TNA pretty much nosedived. Which they're hanging on, they've been hanging on for years and they're finally actually starting to get somewhere again. Yeah. But it took a long time it's for them crazy. to recover from that because you know you know that whenever uh, Dixie Carter took over, she hired Russo and had him working behind the scenes without anybody on the staff knowing about it. Nobody knew he was there. I mean, he was. She was literally taking every single bit of ideas he was throwing at her, and then she brought in Hogan and Bischoff, and then you, TNA tried to duplicate the Monday Night Wars, and they got yeah, that story. was short lived. That was so stupid. Like I watched that that first Monday night that they went live and went head to head with Raw. It wasn't a bad show. No, but the- I mean. Like the decisions, the, though, is what killed that thing. The Then they had that segment where you had Hogan, Bischoff, you had Hall, Nash, mm-hmm. uh, Waltman was in there, I think, if I remember right. You pretty much had the NWO reuniting oh, right there in the ring in TNA on Monday night, you know, and, of course, I flipped back and forth that night between yeah. TNA and Monday Night Raw. It was... It's a similar feeling to you know WCW in the mm-hmm. sense that I'm seeing the same guys in a different wrestling company going head to head against Monday Night Raw, but this whole AEW thing is just oh, a it's whole. It's, else. it's a it's, whole another level. Like I said, I didn't, that wrestling hadn't felt this alive to me in a very long time, and just I feel like every single bit of the childhood memories I have are just like coming back to me. It just, you know, there's so much, which again, uh, I don't want to make it sound like I'm blowing it up just because of nostalgia, because they do, because AEW ain't, uh, all of their matches ain't five-star matches. I mean, if I'm being honest, but the people they do have that are putting on the five-star matches are making that show worth it. I mean, you've got Darby Allin, you've got Sting back in the ring. You've yep. got Cody, who actually like improved a lot since he was in WWE. I mean, yep. I actually like seeing him wrestle now. You've got Dustin, who doesn't really wrestle often anymore, but I haven't seen him in that good of shape in a long time. Yep. And then you've got uh, Pac. I mean, even though he's a heel and he's kind of half a half off, half on television right now, yep. he's a phenomenal wrestler. Um, good Lord, you've got Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard as coaches. Yep. I mean, 
And then it not to forget get, on the women's side, you got Britt Baker. You've got Britt Baker. You've got Thunder Rosa. Thunder Rosa. I love her. I watched her in the NWA, and she was on fire in that show. I mean, it's, y'all, it's just so much to it that they've got all the potential in the world to literally dethrone WWE once and for all. And they, just, have, yeah. they have something that TNA never had, and they also have something that WCW never had. And that was AEW has the full on support of Turner Networks. Yeah. Turner Networks did everything they could to pull the plug on WCW, especially towards the end. They wanted WCW gone. Yeah. And, you know, that was a constant struggle at the top because you had the top brass wanting it gone. Yeah. And doing everything they could to get rid of it. And then, of course, when the AOL Time Warner merger happened, mm -hmm. you know, it became. Yeah, that was pretty much the nail in the coffin. Yeah, the, the days were numbered. Yeah. But you see, now, AEW's got the full-on support of TNT, of TNT Turner, you yeah. know, the Turner Networks. You know, they got, <laughs> they've got got 100% backing. They've got... They've got a second show. Yeah, Rampage is fixing yeah, to start. That's next Friday, yeah. which supposedly... I'm hoping it's true, and you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> the return of CM Punk. CM Punk the first yeah. time he would have been in a ring in, like, what, nine years? Yeah, been a Something while. like that. It's been a long time, and I'm just, I'm so, which, if he if he's a little bit rusty when he first comes back, you know, that's expected. Yeah. I mean, they, you just got to work off that rust. Well, one thing people need to remember, too, is that CM Punk is older. Yeah, you know he he's not the young whippersnapper he was, but still back in '06 in ECW and even you know 2013 or 14 whenever that. But still, uh, Ric Flair was like well into his 60s before he finally retired. But of course, I mean Sting is doing. I mean, yeah, Sting incredible. Is he's he's, he's got to be hitting. At he's least in his, his 60s. mid 50s or 60s. Yeah, he, he's hitting 60 if he ain't already hit it. Yeah, so I mean, it's. It's really just a matter of how if they actually like you know if he gets himself better yeah. because I mean I tell you the the big thing AW is getting with CM Punk is not so much his in ring ability as it is his mock abilities which are both phenomenal CM Punk to me is the best. Now I, I hate he's the best wrestler of the twenty first century. Go ahead and say it. I mean, well, he is. Mike Buildies just when it comes to ability. pure when it comes to pure promo skills. I'm talking microphone <laughs> skills, charismatic. I haven't seen somebody with that kind of ability since The Rock. Back when The Rock was, you know, roasting people and all that stuff. I mean, yeah. to me, CM Punk has that. He's got that Dwayne Johnson swag to him when it comes to being on the mic i'd go as far as saying he's got his own identity just but you can tell also you know he's a paul Heyman guy and i think paul Heyman may have taught him a thing or two about pop bombs yeah so i mean you know i mean yeah if there's anybody that <laughs> before him if there's anybody that caused that much of a ripple it was paul Heyman because remember he was running ecw out of his basement yeah. And that was where he started. Well, technically, he actually started in WCW like way back in the day. He was Paul Paul E. Dangerously. Paul e, yeah, yeah, that was it. Paul E. That was his name. They still call him Paul E. But when he got ECW up and going, and you know, ran that for eight years, I think, 
and they were they were all time causing ripples when they never yep. technically got they technically never got above independent level because they stayed in that one region and they happened to yep. be locally televised. They had pay per views, but again, I mean, it was for him He's to put up that much of a fight and cause that big of a following. Well, he also kind of he had Vince McMahon propping him up too. Yeah, because if you go back, you know, ECW had a partner partnership with WWF. No, they did that. They did a sort of like an invasion yeah, even in the nineties. So they always kind of had Vince propping them up. Who can forget Jerry Lawler standing there and going, "This bingo hall ought to be made out of toilet paper because there's nothing in here but shh." <laughs> I still remember that. Now, I will say the uh, one night stand pay per view. Which one? The first one. The first. The, the very first one they did. The second. The second one wasn't bad. Because that, that tornado tag between uh, Edge and Mick Foley and uh, Terry Funk and Tommy Dreamer, that was a good match. Yeah. I mean, the second one wasn't bad, but that first one, that first one had it. That first, they should have kept going with that first one. And then Paul Heyman coming out there and, of course, dropping his pipe bombs, you know. To me, that that's the best show WWE's done, in my opinion. And this ain't Monday Lisa. Night Raw. This ain't Thursday Night SmackDown. This isn't even WWE. This is ECF and W, and yeah. it was just that was great. And I then you had that. Joey Styles coming out there and yeah. doing his thing on the microphone. Well, not even to mention that they got almost everybody of the major players from ECW. They got yeah. Masato Tanaka facing Mike Austin. Careful, you good? I lost my batteries. I see one. I was trying to speak back, but yeah, careful that chair's kind of flimsy. Oh, right there. There's that one and that one. Yeah, all good. Yeah, because to begin with, they were uh, Eastern Eastern Championship Wrestling, and then they uh, they were going to like partner up. Well, they actually was going to do it with NWA. They were going to join the NWA, and then uh, oh, uh, the franchise, Shane Douglas, won the title. He goes on that mic, and he's like, he starts naming off like Ricky Steamboat, Rick, I believe he named Ric Flair, and Harley Race. And then he just stood there hood hell holding the NWA title and just with so much gusto and fire behind him, he said, and they can all just kiss my ass and just throws that thing down and picks up the ECW title. That was just, yeah, that was one of those moments that just, you know, just that's if I had to make a list of like top 10, like most uh, like controversial slash rebellious moments in wrestling, that would definitely be on that list. That uh, see those punk pipe bomb. Those were the days yeah. of throwing championships in the trash. Yeah, well, I mean, half the time you don't see that right anymore. Now. Like, I mean, I feel like TNT's gonna do it eventually. Oh, it, or like, it wouldn't shock me. It wouldn't shock me if AEW did it. But see, back then, I mean, it was savage. Like back then, it was a real war, and that's why we need CM Punk back. You know, he can nowadays really, he'll crank. He's the one that can actually crank that dial up to eleven and replicate the Hulk Hogan switch to WCW as a heel. I mean, he he can do that same level because of just yep. who he is, his mic ability again, his in ring ability. I haven't seen somebody wrestle Jerry when he, yeah, when he wrestled uh, Jerry Lawler in that steel cage on Monday Night Raw, like not long after he had the heart attack. Lawler hadn't looked that good in the ring in a while, so he even his ring ability is so good that he can make other people look good, and that, <laughs> is, a, and that yeah. is that is like one of the driving things that just makes you just top tier wrestler is when you can make them look good. Yeah. 
Yeah. Which of is course, why, I mean, let's not not change the subject, but let's not forget about Daniel. Oh, it happens Bryan. all the time. Yeah, Don't Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan. Yeah. Which Bryan, I mean, and he never was my favorite on the mic. I mean, he's because of all the stuff I heard about him. Because I know a lot of people that actually dealt with him personally. Everything I've heard about him, he is the biggest teddy bear on the face of the earth. And that is what I hear from everybody. He's just the most soft-spoken, nicest guy. So That don't really surprise me. Yeah, I, he wasn't my favorite on Mike, but he was one of the better wrestlers that came out of the yes, new yes, age. Yeah. Yes. Oh, dude, when that when that starts firing up in AEW, oh, man, it's going to be great. Yeah. And the problem is, though, they can't make it happen because that's technically copyrighted under WWE. But if the, crowd, if the crowd does it, let them go. I mean, let them drown out the microphone where you can't hear them. It'll be that's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, that's Which, just a given. That's another right. thing I'm looking for is the pop that's going to happen when CM when Punk CM music. Punk, man. If, if you hear that, if you hear that scratching sound and you just hear Punk saying, now that I've got everybody's attention and just, and just the cult of personality hits, it's going to be the <laughs> oh. greatest thing. I'm getting chills just thinking yeah. about it. They're going to blow dude, the roof dude, off of that Like, point. legit, my hair is standing up right now. I'm just, I'm so Your arms excited. always look like you got, like, a fro going on anyway, but... I mean, I'm fuzzy. Fuzzy Wuzzy was a bear. Fuzzy Wuzzy was a bear. Fuzzy Wuzzy was a bear. Fuzzy Wuzzy had no hair. Fuzzy Wuzzy wasn't very fuzzy Wuzzy. On the top of my head, maybe, but you know. Anyway, call you James. Call that peach fuzz. <laughs> Got up. You stole that from me. Yup. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. So, um, so you have we uh, WWF took over WWE after WCW went out, and it wasn't until two thousand and three was TNA's first uh, pay per view. TNA debuted in 2002. Okay, it was 02. Because they initially they just had pay per views like once every, what was it, three months? Because they were, they were, it was originally yeah. like NWA TNA. Jeff Jarrett built that from scratch. Him and his dad, Jerry. Yeah, yeah. both of them together. Because you know, Jerry was the one who ran AWA. Yeah. Yeah, back then. And he also yeah. tried to buy WCW towards the end, too. Yeah, I know. Imagine what it would have been like if TNA actually would have bought WCW to begin with instead of WWE. Well, TNA was kind of the first. Think about it, though. If they would have bought them, they would have gotten all that roster that actually jumped ship initially. And if they would have been in TNA, TNA would have took off. If they played their cards right. Yeah, well, obviously. But, I mean, I mean just having, <laughs> yeah, having that ability, though, I mean, if you look, behind them. If you look at TNA over the past... What eighteen or nineteen years they've been around? Nineteen, nineteenth year this year. Look at the names that they TNA's video library alone. Yeah, Vince McMahon would love to get his hands on that TNA library. Yes, because you've got. I feel like AEW's gonna get it for much longer. I I want Tony Khan to make that purchase. It, it, they're, for, they're bordering on it because they're already doing like promotional stuff with Impact. Yeah. I mean, Kenny Omega is going over there and doing pay per view matches in the main event, and he actually held the not yeah. the the Impact title. I was about to say TNA, but they have those separate now, which is so weird. Yeah, I didn't understand that either. Yeah, I thought they were gonna do something with that. Like, yeah, they never did. They literally just, just used it as a secondary heavyweight I title. Just, I don't understand it which they don't that's one thing that uh aew doesn't need to do 
or at least not for right now until Rampage picks up more steam. They don't need to do it right from the get-go, but I do believe that they should do a, uh, if not a, uh, a split brand of a Dynamite and Rampage. I don't know if I'd want a... Yeah, I mean, I don't either. Split. I don't either, but... I, I wasn't mean, a huge fan when WWE did it the first time. The best thing I... The best way I would actually do it is I would, like, pick a venue one week, and, like, on Monday, on Wednesday night, you got Dynamite. Thursday night, you got Rampage. Or Friday night. Friday night, you got Rampage. And do them both in the same venue. Because at that point... There's your three-hour show right there. You're just getting the later half of it later on in the week. And then eventually, maybe if they get enough roster, they could maybe possibly, like, split them between the shows. But even then, I I don't want them to have, like, two I'm just curious. You know, you've got AW Dark Elevation that comes on Monday nights. Yeah. You got AW Dark on Tuesday night. You got Dynamite on Wednesday night. Yeah. And now you ever actually looked at the full roster of who all they have? They've got a lot of people. I mean, I mean it's people that people. you wouldn't normally see on Dynamite. Yeah. For the most part. Unless it's like a highlight episode. I mean. Which half the time, the dark episodes are anywhere from an hour and a half to three hours long. Yeah. I mean, because they had one here a while back. It was like two and a half. I mean, I, I watch like just every now and again, but like, I just, I can't sit and watch the whole. Yeah. AW Dark. I don't really get into the. I mean, I want to uh, try checking it out more just to kind of see if I can spot any potential future talents because that's what that was the biggest reason I watched NWA. I found out NWA was around, which, by the way, it's actually owned by the lead singer of the Smashing Pumpkins, Billy, Billy Corgan. Corgan yeah. yeah, he owns NWA. He is the president, and I find that so funny. Oh, he was he was <laughs> oh, over he played, TNA yeah, for yeah. a while too. Yeah, I remember. But uh. I was watching NWA the first time I watched it, and the U.S. champion at the time on NWA was Ricky Starks. This was before he was in AEW. And I remember seeing him just wrestle, and I thought, wow, that dude has talent. He's not real. He's not big by any means. But I haven't seen somebody with that in, that kind of in-ring ability in a hot minute. I mean, he's one of the he's one of those that I would actually say I want to see him wrestle CM Punk. Because I feel like they could have an amazing match. You know, they, they teased on AEW a couple of weeks ago, Darby Allen and CM oh, Punk yeah. having a feud. I could that, see that, that because... Be, that would be interesting. Because if you remember, the funny thing about that is uh, CM Punk's technical first rivalry was with Shannon Moore on ECW. Because remember, Shannon Moore was cutting that promo yeah. and Punk just comes up, just looks at him, just, just slaps the hell out of him. I mean, super hard. And that was how that started. It didn't last but a couple of weeks, but still, it's kind of funny that that was his first rivalry against like Shannon Moore. When you look at that yeah. gimmick, and then you see Darby Allen's gimmick, I mean, I, I just feel like that's funny. Just them making a play on WWE's poor handling WWE of CM Punk. <laughs> yeah, I get tongue twisted when I get excited. Because uh, they they did not they did not handle CM Punk correctly in ECW. He was just super held back, super neutered, and it wasn't until he actually, like, you know, dropped the yeah. pipe bomb and yeah. started speaking his mind the way. One it really thing that is. I find, because like I've I've been I've went back and I've been watching some of his old pipe bomb drops. Oh, I have too. You know, 
there, there's just a little nugget of truth in every single pop yes. bomb he drops. Uh, and I've and I've like again, I've got a couple people that have worked with WWE that I talk to, and they almost val- they validated almost every single thing that he ever took a shot about was actually almost one hundred percent true. Like the way he talked to Vince McMahon whenever he had that negotiation, yeah. <laughs> that was like legit because he did he refused to sign that contract in private and he wanted it done on TV. He forced that to happen. So what you saw in that whole negotiation, that was pure emotion, just on both sides. Vince was getting pissed the entire time. CM Punk was just pushing his buttons and getting under his skin. CM Punk was the problem child for Vince McMahon. Yeah, but he was the best thing that happened to WWE in 20 years. Now, the pop bomb that he dropped before he left that is bar none the best promo I have ever seen. The one where he sat at the top of the stage and just like started and just cutting he into just it. Let it roll. Yeah. Well what it was was there was only like five or ten minutes left and they literally just told him to go out there, you know, jump Cena and just, you know, just talk the last few minutes and he's like, you know what? Um I'm on my way out. I'm just going to bite the bullet and I'm going to say what needs to be said. And he literally went out there and did that, sat on the stage and didn't even like try to speed it up. He took his sweet time just laying it all out. And yeah. that just, that was like the most realest thing in wrestling and since that, like that the was... finger poke of doom. Well, <laughs> well, actually, no, yeah. I take that back. It was the most realest thing in wrestling since the night that Jeff Jarrett took the fall. Whenever he just laid down in the middle of the ring and Russo tossed the belt oh, yeah. in the ring. and then Back uh, at the beach, 2000, yeah. Yeah, and then Hogan got on that mic and said, this is why this thing is in the, you know what, Yeah. because of BS like this. Yeah. Yeah, that was... That was a work, though. That that whole thing was... I mean, I... Depending on who you listen to, there's three different versions of that story. Well, the thing is, um, the reason why I think it was there was more truth to that moment than a lot of people realize... Hogan was the guy that was used to be catered to, and he was literally made a fool on live television in front of everybody on a pay per view by Vince Russo, and he was literally could not he could not deal with that. He had to have the last word, and that's why that he did that. I feel like that was just one hundred percent him just doing what we call a shoot, because that's you know what they call it in the dirt yeah. sheets. For those of you that don't know what the dirt sheets is. That was literally what you read to get the inside story way back in the day before we had social media and everything else. You read the dirt sheet. Now you just get on Facebook or Twitter or YouTube and then you're all set. Kayfabe's dead. I mean, <laughs> everybody's been saying it for years. It's dead. The only person that it's even... especially re- dead now. The only person that actually like kept it alive was CM Punk. I mean, you didn't see any other side of him other than what you saw on TV. That's kind of how MJF is. Yeah, I mean, he's... Doesn't... He's a, I remember seeing him for the first time, and I thought, good Lord, this guy is the best heel I've seen. I mean, he literally, like, right out the he gate. He flipped off a child. Yeah, I mean, good so, Lord. So, I mean, it doesn't get much more heel than that, you know? You know, you mean, except when Larry Zabisco uh, turned on, uh, I think it was Harley Race, and became the most hated man in wrestling? Nah, give us a minute. It just disconnected that from the lot. He'll come back up. There we go. Okay, we're good. Sorry about that. Got disconnected. So, I do want to, to drag his name out. I know you probably don't really want to talk about him because I know you don't really like him. 
but this is a wrestling discussion, so let's cover all the bases one at a time. How do you feel about Jim Cornette? Oh, not, not, not as a person. Oh, not as a person. As a wrestling genius. Because to be fair, that man has a very, very wide mind for wrestling as a whole. He's very intelligent when it comes to wrestling. I'll give him credit for <laughs> being a... How can I put this? I'm trying to be diplomatic. I'll give him credit for having good ideas. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, he's a bumbling idiot. <laughs> I mean, to me, Cornette and Russo is like having to choose between broccoli or cauliflower. I don't like either one. I don't both, like so. either one. Okay. okay. Yeah, that was amazing. So, you know, I mean, um, yeah. okay, so I'm, my, just, I'm my, just not a fan. Okay, so my feelings on Cornette is as a person, I mean, I don't think me and him would get along. I mean, that's that's an obvious given. He's petty. He's just petty. Uh, yeah, he's just got, you know, he's got his, his personality would clash with mine. I've been down that road and I can, I'm getting to where I can spot it and I'll cut that off right at the hip where it needs to just get left alone when I meet somebody that just doesn't clash with my personality. But. In that same vein, I'm like you. I will give credit where credit is due. I do feel like out of all the people that ever actually worked for any show, which technically he worked for all of them, he does have the best mind for wrestling because he does know how to he, he knows how to actually turn somebody who sucks, who is hated, into somebody that's liked. I mean, that's what I mean. Like I admire him for his like just knowledge of the business itself, the psychology of it. I mean, he he knows his stuff. Yeah, and he's also really the only wrestling historian if you've ever seen his. Yeah, house. I mean, I've I've seen him on like Dark Side of the Ring. I do love that show. I've seen some of his interviews and stuff, and I mean, he he knows his stuff, but at the same time, and of course, he's been in the business for. He's got the biggest years mouth of everybody I've ever seen. His mouth is what really drives me crazy. And, of course, I listen to, like, just snippets of his podcast. Yeah. That's pretty much what I do. But, of course, my problems with Jim Cornette, okay, first off, he's petty. Just petty. I mean, if you listen to some of the stuff that Eric Bischoff, him and Eric Bischoff had a confrontation if you don't know what I'm talking about, you can find it on YouTube. But he actually called, I can't remember if it was Conrad Thompson or Eric Bischoff, but he called and left a nasty voicemail. And just... He left a nasty voicemail to everybody. Just It was just it was petty, just over petty stuff. I just, I can't stand him. And then also, it's like you can carry on... Of course, I mean, I get it. It's his podcast. He can say what he wants. He can yeah, everybody's entitled to their own opinion. You know, that's the core of everything. But it's like, I can listen to 83 Weeks with Eric Bischoff and not feel like I have to take a shower after listening to it. <laughs> Cornette has got the dirtiest mouth I have ever heard out of a wrestling persona. Hey. That, that I've... That I've <laughs> I'm about to say, I've heard some pretty rough ones. I'm so. sure, but, I mean, I just, he's just not for me. You know, I just. Well, I mean, again, 
And then he's always having to crap on AEW. That's another thing that I can't stand. Yeah. I mean, AEW could have, like, the greatest show ever. I'm talking ratings through the roof. They even And even eventually when they do beat Monday Night Raw in the ratings, because I believe that's going to happen sooner or oh, later. Lord, yes. If CM Punk drops in, it's going to happen. That's going to be immediate. You know, once AEW starts real, of course, they're picking up steam now. But I feel like I feel like it's about to just skyrocket for AEW. Yeah. I mean, Cornette is going to crap on every single thing that they do. And that's what I cannot stand about. One of the biggest things I can't stand about Jim Cornette, he's always got to crap on AEW, and I don't. He's got some kind of axe to grind. Well, my my thing about you know, him is it's it's the feeling I get off of him. He's he's just that kind of person that literally goes out of his way to look for the negatives and everything. And of course, I mean, I he's kind of like the Howard Stern of pro wrestling when it comes to I mean, podcast. He is. It's is, yeah. He says stuff for shock value. Yeah. He's. Pretty much like a shock jock, pretty much. And I just, I, it just turns me off. I just, yeah. So what wrestlers do turn you on? Oh, my Lord. I'm answering that question. Britt Baker. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Thunder Rosa. Dude, I'll throw in, I'll throw in a wishbone and say Tessa Blanchard. I mean, she, she's muscular, but good Lord, she's fine. Take I mean, on to you. Anna J. Dude, so cow vow back when TNA was, you know, popular. Yeah. Because she was she was yep. a fine woman. That's and then the show that came in the guy. Christy Emmy. I've always had a thing for redheads. Oh. Yep. Why did you agree? <laughs> oh. Moving from uh, Jim Cornette, so I, I'm not even going like, to go into depth about Vince Russo because I have nothing good to say about him. If I, which that's if you the, have nothing good to say, write it down and publish it. Fair enough. Um, if I had to actually like, the uh, to understand why I actually do value Jim Cornette's opinion is I'll value his opinion, and I will not value Russo's. Mostly because Cornette actually has that knowledge about wrestling to actually give a decent enough opinion. Because again, even his negative stuff that where he's always crapping on the AEW, I'll still listen to it only because that helps me pick out what is kind of like the problem that AEW has. They don't have many by no means, but and of course Cornette also, of course I'm on Twitter a lot. Cornette, of course I see I see the stuff that happens on Twitter. Cornette likes to go after AEW wrestlers on Twitter. He starts stuff. He talks about their wives. He talks I mean, about the their only, girlfriends. You know. I mean, if it's a, I mean, if I'm being honest, that's the only way he stays relevant. He said something about Britt Baker one time. You know, it, it was something along the lines of I mean, she's a hoe or something, and that there was a back and forth about that. You know, it's just it's crap like that. Just, he's just a little troll. Is all he is. I mean, yeah. You know, I just that's putting it mildly. So, what's your opinion on Paul Heyman? I like Heyman. My opinion of Heyman is much more favorable now than it was 15 years ago. Yeah, uh, after seeing some of the uh, the back behind the scenes stuff that that's got Paul Heyman the is the type that I've watched some of his stuff, like inside the ropes, done like an interview with yeah. him and stuff. I could listen to that man talk wrestling all day long. 
Yeah, he's another one of them that just has a brain. For because him. for him, when he's talking wrestling, it's like he's giving a promo. Yeah. Okay. And like he draws you in mm-hmm. and hooks you, and just the way he tells the story, it just he draws you in and just he he's such a gifted speaker. Like he's yeah. got a way with words. He's got a way with communication. And that's what I appreciate the most about Paul Heyman. Yeah. You know, and, of course, a lot of times, like, of course, growing up, you don't really, of course, back then, 15, 20 years ago, you know, I was a lot younger, obviously. Obviously. And didn't quite understand. Wow. Didn't quite understand, you know, how wrestling works. Yeah. You know, cause the, the, yeah, person, the person you see on camera is not the person like in real life, just in every day. Now it depends on you who know. it is. I have heard that a certain people on WWE's roster. I'm not going to name names, but because that take too much time, a lot of them are actually like that in real life. Like it's just an extension of them. Now, like with MJF, I could see that definitely. But I mean, Heyman, like to me, like I had a negative opinion of Heyman. Like I said, like just 15 years ago, but that was mainly from just the stuff that I saw on TV. Yeah. But once you learn about behind the scenes and how everything works, you mm-hmm. start to, it kind of changes how you Yeah, look it gives you a new appreciation for it. Which, again, I'll say it, hey, Fabe's dead. Wrestling's not nowhere near as like kept tight of a secret as it used to be. But yeah. if you really like, if you're really into wrestling, not like not just the face value of wrestling, but you're more into the actual like uh, business section of it and the behind the scenes yeah. and the psychology of it, you get a whole new like appreciation for it, which is why I like AEW so well. Yeah, I mean there is. The way you said that, I just. Dude, if you, yeah, I mean that's that the, one of the biggest things about wrestling is psychology. I mean, yeah. I'm not it's, saying you're wrong. It's just the way you said. It. If you, uh, if the way you, I said it, okay. Eric Bischoff has. Yeah, he's another one. He's got a TED Talk. There's a TED Talk video out there on YouTube where he talks about how the news media plays the same game that pro wrestling does. Yeah. That is a fascinating, and I think it's only like 15 minutes long. It's not a long video. It is a fascinating. Fascinating. <laughs> but, yeah. That's going to be your catcher. Fascinating. The, the psychology of wrestling, if that stuff interests you, you need to check that out on YouTube. You don't get vaccinated. You get fascinated. <laughs> I'm sorry I had to do that. That was, that was low-hanging fruit. Yeah, Eric Bischoff's another one that I like. Uh, that I like as a uh, as a mind of the business, as a person. From what I've seen of him, what I've heard, I've heard conflicting things. Like I've heard he's real withdrawn and self-preserving, but I've also heard that he's actual that he's real outgoing and real respectful and nice. Bischoff I mean, is another one. I think that just boils down to him being a businessman. When WCW went under, and of course I wasn't like twelve or thirteen years old. But when WCW went under, I had a very negative. I blamed Derek Bischoff for it because it's like when WCW folded, it was like you took away my childhood. Yeah, I can feel that. It's like you took away my childhood. It's like all the the childhood memories I had all disappeared. They all went up in smoke, and I blamed Derek Bischoff for that. But the main reason I did was because he was the face of the company. Yeah. And so, I mean, good Lord, everybody remembers this. <laughs> I mean. The hug with Vince McMahon. Yeah. 
I, I did like uh, whenever they brought him on in WWE as the general manager of Monday Night Raw. I hate to me, to me, that was actually the best era of WWE's Monday Night Raw, besides the Attitude Era, because yeah. that was, what they call it, the Ruthless Aggression Era or whatever. Yeah. It, Bischoff running Raw, he he ran Raw, and he did a good job. He was yep. the general manager for Raw for years, and it, Raw was he actually was. at its height at that time. That was the best segment to me was when he was in charge of it. Yeah. Of course, you know, hindsight is always twenty twenty. you know. But to me, looking back on that era, is that WWE, I'm, and, and this, this is something they've done that has drove me crazy over the last 20 years, is they've taken every opportunity to take shots and bury mm-hmm. WCW. Yeah. If you go back and watch a few segments with Eric Bischoff, that's exactly what they were doing, yeah. was undermining WCW. And that's a big reason why Sting never made the jump until... Yeah. 2014 or 15, yeah. somewhere around in there. Which, that does kind of sadden me because I feel like if if things would have been different, we probably would have got a match between Sting and CM Punk, and I feel like that would have been just something else to see. Sting and Undertaker was the big... That was a good match. Th- that was the but, dream match that yeah. everybody wanted and never got. No, the dream match everybody wanted but didn't get was Sting versus The Undertaker, but, you know, That's we're splitting hairs about. at this point. Oh, I thought you meant CM Punk. No. <laughs> I was like, that was a good match. No, I'm not even talking about a match. I'm talking about a match that didn't even happen. Yeah. Okay. Now, did you see that gag that was going around the internet how uh, Undertaker was jumping to AEW's Mark the Mortician? <laughs> yeah. I it was Mark the Mortician that. Galloway. And it was like, I'm like, that ain't never going to happen. No. That's a load of garbage. No. It's funny though, just seeing it because some dude went out of his way to make the uh, the mortician is all elite pictures. I don't pay much attention <laughs> to those. You know, so and so is all elite. Yeah. Know. Of course, you know, CM Punk's been rumored for years and years. And now the rumors are just stronger than ever. And that's coming you know, from so many different actual, like, reliable from, sources. From day one of AEW. CM Punk's name has been dropped, you know, and I've seen memes, I've seen jokes about CM Punk joining AEW. That's something I've never thought would happen. I know. It's like, but it was like I was telling you here a while back, it doesn't matter, like, how long you was in wrestling. Once you get a taste for it, you never fully let it go. Because, I mean, I said that for years when Goldberg retired at WrestleMania 20, and my mom always discounted me, just like, you know, that ain't never going to happen. They'll never get him to come back. Well, what happens? They got Goldberg to come back, albeit it was a crappy return, but, I mean... Now, his his first appearance in WWE... Like, way back when, since, in 2002, or are we talking about, like, the newer... Well... His newer run. I'm talking about, like, just a few years ago. Oh, yeah, when he came back to fight Brock Lesnar. Yeah, like WrestleMania that, now that... 32 or whatever. That brought tears to my eyes. Like, his, like... When he came out, you know, and you could tell, and just mm-hmm. Goldberg was emotional, you know, and he had his family there with him, and because his family had never seen him wrestle in yeah. person, but until that day, that kind of I think that, that well, I mean, that's what uh, brought Shawn Michaels back was uh, his son had never seen him wrestle, and so he decided to come back and do the one last match with Triple H, that unsanctioned match at SummerSlam, which was a good match. 
And then that turned into him competing at the uh, very first Elimination Chamber at Survivor Series, winning the title yep. there. Yep. And just coming back, like, actually permanently, which I can remember that because I, until Shawn Michaels had showed up, I, at the time, I didn't know who he was. Because, again, I didn't watch WWF in the 90s. I didn't watch it until, like, oh, two, oh, three, somewhere around in there. Yeah. Maybe oh, one. So when he came back and, like, uh, I think it was... I think it was 04. It was 04. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was 03. That was when it was because at 04 was WrestleMania 20. That was when he yep. was in the Triple Threat match. Yep. And the year before that was when him and uh, Triple H had their rivalry. It went from SummerSlam to um, all the way to Armageddon that year because that Armageddon that year they had a uh, two out of three falls match. Because, like, or no, back then they called it the three stages of hell, but, you know, they changed that name for whatever reason. And uh, uh, it's because they were going into their PG era. It was so stupid. But um, they was like uh, the first, it was a uh, no holds barred. Then it was a uh, cage match. And then it was a ladder match. And that was a phenomenal show because they wrestled for a good 40, 45 minutes just going through all three of those matches. And they put a lot into that match. That's one of those that still sticks out of my mind just because of how much they put into it. Which, that is uh, something I do want to bring up. What are some of the most memorable matches you remember seeing just all time? Ones that you still go back and rewatch to this day from time to time. DDP and Goldberg from... Now, this, I'm not saying this is my number one all time, but I do go back and watch. Yeah, we're not even going to try to do top anything because there's so many good matches to rewatch. DDP and Goldberg from Halloween Havoc. Yeah. That that was Gold, and even Goldberg will admit that that was probably his best match. DDP will probably say that was his best match. He was yeah. In. Oh, he's all elite too. By the way, <laughs> had to throw it in there. He's only made a couple appearances, but he works behind the scenes. Yeah, I remember that one vividly. And then uh, that WrestleMania twenty match. Yeah, I remember almost every bit of WrestleMania twenty. I remember the. Uh, that cruiserweight and battle see, royal. That was when Undertaker came back as yeah, the phenom. That was the first time I saw Undertaker. That gave me chills. Because I had never heard of him before. And then when he came back at WrestleMania 20, I was, the, the I was people 12 out. years old. And I remember seeing that because that was actually the main event, if I remember. Because yeah. uh, Kane had uh, buried him alive at Survivor Series 03. And then they had that whole buildup that started at Royal Rumble. You started seeing teases of it. And then he came back as old school Undertaker. Yeah. And with a new... That's a highlight for yeah, me. That match, yeah. Well, WrestleMania 20 as a whole was a highlight. Because that was actually yep. a good WrestleMania just all around. Yep. Dude, I was watching No Way Out before WrestleMania. I remember that now because I saw the match between Eddie Guerrero and Brock Lesnar. That was an amazing match. That was like the match I was really wanting to see because I watched WCW, so obviously Eddie Guerrero, God rest him, yep. he was always one of my favorites of all time. Yep. And to see him actually just beat Brock Lesnar like that in his usual fashion of just che cheating and lying <laughs> and stealing and all yeah. that crap, I it, was, it was I so did, great. I yeah, did. I loved I loved that. That was... I remember I, I went the first time I went back and actually like rewatched that match when he beat Brock Lesnar and then I turned around and watched the match with uh, Kurt Angle. 
I was legitimately almost crying or probably was crying because this was after he had passed away. And it was just like I was going through those yeah. old memories of seeing him. And it just, because I remember the night, the day I found out he passed away, I was super heartbroken. And then Monday night, they had the tribute, or they, they did, I think they did the tribute uh, Thursday night first. Yeah, they did it on SmackDown. Yeah. And that, that killed me. That, you know, that just that whole, that night, just seeing the whole memorial of him, that, that got yeah. me. That was the first time I legitimately cried in wrestling because he was my hero. Who was your Who was your first hero? Sting, without hesitation. Sting. Sting was just the man back then, <laughs> and then still is. Of course, I mean Sting. I mean all time. Sting was WCW. Yeah, you know, and of course. Thing was my first childhood wrestling hero. I feel like TNA would have died if he didn't come in. Which, when he first came in, he was not good at all. But, you know, he left for several months, and he actually yeah. got himself back in shape and got himself yeah. more fit to wrestle again. And when he came back, that was that was just one of the greatest comebacks I'd ever seen. Yeah. And, it just, and then I would have to say, when I got older... And WCW went out of business, and I yeah, started yeah. watching WWE. Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah. Because that was another one you felt like was actually, like, breaking the rules and saying yeah. what was on his mind. And then we got CM Punk, who in the 90s, In the 90s, it was Sting. Early to mid-2000s, for me, Stone Cold Steve Austin was my number one. Well... He actually, he technically retired at a Survivor Series of 03. Well, I mean, he did some stuff where he would leave and then come back, yeah. you know. Yeah, because I think he came back as the commissioner. Yeah, he was and like. He was, he was always just driving Eric Bischoff crazy. Yeah. It was so funny. Both segments were funny. He just lay down in the middle of the ring. Oh, I'm drunk. <laughs> just being Stone Cold Steve Austin, which I wish I would have been able to go to a Raw show back then because they would actually say, like, after Monday Night Raw was over, he would still be in the ring for like up to an hour after the show ended, just entertaining the crowd, just doing stupid stuff. I can see that. There was one time he got Jillian in the ring. Remember Jillian, yep. Uh, yep. Jillian Garcia. Yep. Another, another one that was. Whew, there was. <laughs> mm, there was time. There was a time, buddy. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, he got her in the ring, and he was he just knelt down in front of her on one knee, and he's just mm -hmm. like, Billion. Will you get me another beer? <laughs> and then, and then the, the week after they got the rock on there as a special guest and they were doing their thing in the ring after the show and, uh, rocks like, Oh, Hey, Lillian, or, uh, Lillian's here, you know, and, uh, stone cold's like, yeah, you should have been here last week. Rock's like, what happened? And stone cold just looks at him beer in hand like this, literally like this pose. And he just goes, I almost married her. <laughs> and, and Rock just literally just like dropped that mic and he put his head down. He was laughing so hard. That was just, yeah. Stone Cold had some of the best moments. I wouldn't, but that'd be kind of cool if he popped in AEW as a coach. I mean, I'm, I know I'm building a castle in the sky with that one, but you, you can't lie, that would be kind of cool. I don't... I don't know because I mean he's had AEW wrestlers on his podcast. Yeah, I mean you never know. He may he might come back just for like literally an appearance 
just a cameo appearance. Like if they're, I in Austin, you. if they're in Austin, Texas, and he's just sitting right there in the front row, you know, just sitting there just watching the show. Because I mean, I'd imagine yeah. I'd imagine that even if he bought a nosebleed seat and he walked up to that uh, that ticket gate, they'd be like, give this man VIP access right now. I mean, I yeah. literally think they would do that because they, they did that. TNA actually used to do that with the uh, people that wore uh, independent wrestling shirts. Because I had a buddy of mine that went to a TNA show, one of their shows in Orlando. It was an actual televised TV show, and he bought nosebleed seats. But when he walked up to the present the ticket, they seen his shirt, which had my family's uh, wrestling logo on it. And they said, do you wrestle for them? And he's like, uh, yes, sir, I do. And they like put him on the front row. And when the camera started rolling, you saw him in the front row wearing our uh, our wrestling show tee, and it was it was crazy seeing that because I was watching that episode. It was great. Yeah, T and A did that. They catered to him like that. I mean, if it was somebody that it, because they did it just to people that wore independent wrestling shirts. Well, there's I mean, a story I remember even back then where some WWE guys were close by or in the same building or something. Yeah. And there was a group from TNA that went and tried to cater to them, to the WWE guys. And the WWE guys were like, no, get away from here. Get the cameras out of here. I remember that. Shane Douglas did that. Shane Douglas did it on yep. live TV because he was with R-Truth. He was with uh, uh, James Armstrong. Yep. I think it, first, the first name is James, right? Because I think he went by uh, Kip James in the yeah. TNA. Yeah. It was either BG or Kip. Because it was him and Billy Gunn. They were the Voodoo Ken Mafia. That was their name. I remember them. I remember them yeah. going out on the episode of Impact. And they're just like, Paul Levesque, Michael Hickenbottom. And I'm just like, <laughs> what? I was just like, really? You just did that I remember on TV? That. That was because that that's the real names for Triple H and Shawn Michaels. If you don't know, I'm sorry, I got caught up in my own knowledge on that one. You know, that was that was really fourth wall breaking, and I loved it. There was a lot of moments from TNA that were just good, just because it was just like simply just poking at them. And I liked how, like how oh yeah oh oh yeah TNA brought. Of course, they couldn't use the ECW name and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they, they did a whole tribute thing with ECW original guys. Yeah. That that was a good... Yeah. Yeah, and I remember that. There was a promo that Rhino had cut where he allegedly had the real ECW championship in the, in bag. the bag. I saw that episode. He lights it on he fire. lights it on fire, throws yeah. it in the trash can. I saw that. I remember that. That was, that, actually was... The, that was actually the first TNA Impact episode I ever saw. Like I turned it on, and that was literally the first thing that came up after the after the commercial. I'm like, "Hey, that's Rhino!" And then he he went off into that promo, threw that thing in the garbage, and I'm like, "Where has this been my entire life? <laughs> like, this is already better than WWE." TNA, yeah, TNA, TNA gets a lot of crap. People crap on TNA all the time. Yeah, it's the the first when they first started, they were decent. They had some. Now they're not. They're decent. They're barely decent now, but they had to re rebuild. It's hard to... in their heyday, though. Now TNA across the line days. That was their that was their motto back then. Early to mid two thousands TNA for me was must watch television. Yeah, I mean, and to me, what really it, what really yeah. pulled me in, like the very first time I ever saw TNA, was I got home from school one day, and I was flipping channels. You and mean I, you used to go to school? Yes. You mean they had a school system <laughs> when you were a kid? 
Yeah, you, I'm right behind you. I'm just messing with you. This was this was like I want to say oh five maybe. Yeah. Right around oh five. Yeah, because they, they I think that was when they made their debut on Spike TV that year. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, I remember TNA Explosion on CSS. Oh yeah. You that know, was a recap show, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And see, back then, like, I didn't get pay-per-view back then. Yeah. So, I would watch TNA Explosion. I think it came out on Saturdays. I don't mean to cut you off, but I do want to bring up, it really does feel like old-school wrestling when you've got to pay $50 to see a pay-per-view instead of just kind of doing a monthly subscription. you got to shell out the full $50, because that's yep. how I remember it. Even back in the 90s, it was $50 to rent a pay-per-view. I mean, it was yep. expensive. But I got Sorry, home. From, go ahead. Got home from school one day, and first TNA back then was on FSN Fox Sports Network. Yeah, and they, they used to come on at like three o'clock, so it'd already be on when I get when I got home. Mm-hmm. And I would watch it. Of course, back then, you know, all their matches were timed. Yeah, and if the time ran out, then it went to a committee, and the committee determined who the winner was. Yeah, and then I was like, "Huh, what's this?" You know, and I I watched it, you know, because. I was a big wrestling fan. Yeah. yeah, back then they were just pay-per-view, I think, wasn't they? Well, they had, they had weekly television. Oh, they did? Okay. Yeah, it came on. I can't remember exactly what day. It might have been Thursdays. And then I can't remember if they had the six-sided ring on FSN or not, but I remember when they debuted on Spike TV, they debuted with the six-sided yeah. ring. That, that's what really got me hooked into watching TNA. I've never seen a six-sided ring before. I know what you're talking about, man. That was that's, a totally yeah. new thing to me. Never seen that before in my life. And then the X Division, you know, yeah, it, it was must-watch. I remember finding it on TV, and I'm like, Hey, Ma, Ma, there's a cat outside. <laughs> no. I, I'm, I, I literally sitting there going, like, hollering at my mom and be like, Dude, they've got a six-sided ring. And it was just like, that was the one thing that baffled me. But of course, later on, I actually found out that a lot of uh, Mexican uh, wrestling promotions actually use a six-sided. Yeah. The AAA show that comes on Telemundo, I think, uh, that uses a six-sided, or at least they did. Because yeah. that was actually where I first seen, um, it was the dude that TNA had brought in to feud with Abyss. Uh, Judas, um, he had that dark hair, the white eyes, he wore like purple tights. I think I know what you're talking about. It wasn't like Judas Messias or something like that. Yeah, Judas Messias. That yeah. was it, yeah. I actually saw him on AAA before I saw him on TNA. And on there, he didn't have whited out, out eyes. He And he spoke normal. I mean, he spoke like a rest. Of course, they were speaking Spanish, so I couldn't understand a word they were saying. But Abyss was one of the first people I remember seeing yeah. on TNA. Abyss. That was, was back when he was with... Uh, 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 um, what was his name? Wore the red outfit, had those freaky eyebrows. Yeah, James Mitchell. James Mitchell, that was yeah. it, yeah. Because I remember seeing him, and I'm like, good Lord, that dude's creepy. I mean, he's still with the company. Mitchell is. Really? Yeah. I saw him on one of their shows not too long ago. But Abyss, I remember Shark Boy. <laughs> I remember. Do you remember do you remember this doing remember? this number well that that but no i was actually talking about do you remember when shark boy did the stone cold steve austin gimmick and he came out wearing the vest and he just kind of just marched in the ring like that <laughs> and he did uh shark boy 24 7 says i just fend your ass that was literally what he said or something like that, that. <laughs> i remember that because he 
he was he went on like this streak where he was getting beat up every single week. It's like every week he came out, he had something else like a cast or something, and he'd limp out to that ring like I can compete, I can compete. And then he got beat up so bad to the point that he got put into a coma. He was in that coma for like I think like two weeks, and it was on TV because he was getting, his family was gathered around the hospital bed and they were all wearing Shark Boy masks, not saying a word. <laughs> And uh, oh, uh, um, uh, who was the interviewer for TNA back then? Jeremy Borash. Jeremy Borash. Yep. He was, he was like, he'd lean down and be like, uh, "Is his eyes open?" And all of a sudden, one of his family would be like, <laughs> just lay on top of him, covering him up, not saying a word, wearing that mask. It was funny. I, I remember laughing so hard at that. And when Borash he woke up, WWE now. yeah, when he when Shark Boy woke up, he just like opened his eyes. He rose up out of bed, and they're like, "Shark Boy, you're awake." Do you have anything to say? And he stuck the mic right under his mouth, and immediately he said, Hell yeah, I got something to say. If you stick that thermometer up my ass one more time, I'm going to stomp a mud hole in you and walk it dry. <laughs> and that's the bottom line, because Shark Boy said so. And that, that was when that started. And it just snowballed from there. It got so stupid, and it was so entertaining. It was funny. I, I remember laughing so hard at that. I can't believe you missed that. That was that yeah, was like I'll, I'll have to find that. <laughs> that was just so funny seeing him act that way. And then I remember the amazing red. Yeah, he was good. I I, I, I always wonder what happened to him. I remember uh, Sanjay Dutt. Yeah, I remember. Um, How did? It was like that, wasn't it? Motor City Machine Guns. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, that was Sanjay Dutton and Chris Saban. Yeah. Yeah. I, I liked them. They were good. I think they're in ROH now. Or no, they're back on Impact, ain't they? Chris Saban is, yeah. Yeah, I feel like Sanjay Dutton. He retired, I think. Oh. And now he's doing like front office stuff. But I can't remember if, it, if he was still with Impact or if he had something with WWE. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like them. I remember them. I remember Rhino. I remember uh, Christopher Daniels when he was the Fallen Angel. Yeah. Which I actually liked that gimmick pretty well. I mean, it was he he played it pretty well. Yeah. I mean, he did. Uh, I remember. <laughs> you remember Curry Man? Wore that yellow and orange just outfit. Came out dancing, wearing a mask that had a little sombrero on it, or something on his head. I don't think so. He was a mask man, and he was known as Curry Man. And it, I found out later on that was actually Christopher Daniels in a mask. And I was just like, no, there ain't no way. <laughs> that was It was just two different like characters. Which, again, another thing that I found out, which, again, I'm not going to name names because, you know, it's rude to do that, especially in the business. But a lot of people that actually work on the independent circuit, they'll actually have two or three characters that they wrestle as. And they, they'll either like do it without a mask or they'll throw on a mask and go out for another match as a different character. I knew several that did that. I mean, that happens more often than you think it does. I'm not going to name names, obviously, but yeah, it was it was crazy to see them because they they'd they'd come back, they'd either like pull the mask off, and then they'll just start changing into more gear. And I'm like, um, okay, you know, because I I mean, I was always the at the show. I was actually responsible. I mean, yeah, me at like 13 years old, I was responsible for uh, substance control. Like I, I was the one that camped out in the back room. I took I took down the names of who all showed up, uh, you know, made sure they all had their waivers to compete. 
and you know I spied on them just to kind of make sure that there wasn't any kind of illegal substance coming through the building. You know, me at 13 years old, I was doing that. Then from there, I was a color commentator and just yeah, I went all over that building at some point or another. I'm sorry, I'm gonna stay still. You're good. But yeah, that that and then that was how I, I learned a lot of stuff just being in that environment. I, I know a lot of the uh, terms that they use. I know a lot of the uh, the uh, like. I'm gonna go ahead and just throw this one out there because you see it on TV. When you see a referee do this, that oh, means really that means somebody is severely hurt, and we need somebody out here right now. I mean right. that that is what that means. That is only to be used under those circumstances. And another thing, uh, you'll see it if you actually pay attention on TV. Like, let me see your hand. Like, if somebody's, like, just kind of laid out, you know, they're just like, you know, like that, the referee will actually put his fingers in his hand, and if he squeezes, that means he's okay. If he doesn't squeeze, that means that, you know, he's not fully coherent, he needs a minute, or, you know, something's wrong. And that's that's just two of the things that I've learned. There's a lot more than that. There is a, there's actually a book that was written back in the, um, I think it was written back in the 30s or the 40s, but it's, it's actually a book that actually talks about the, like, how wrestling was back then. And that tells you, you know, that tells you pretty much everything that you could ever want to know about the, what, what it's like being a wrestler. Because it goes into the terms they use. It goes into how they handle uh, showings, how they handle storylines, like, how they prepare for, like, certain events that's going to, like, make or break their character. I mean, it's a good book. I, I can't remember the name of it right off the top of my head. And it's really, it's actually kind of hard to find. I had to buy it digitally and read it on my phone and I hate doing that yeah. but yeah I learned a lot about it back then and again when you know that much about the inside of wrestling it gives you a whole new appreciation and a whole different perspective because I can remember um, Al Hearns Al Hearns 95 says that's what she said <laughs> nice one <laughs> nice um uh, yeah, I, that was, I learned a lot and I learned to see stuff differently. Cause there was one dude that used to sit down with me while matches were going on. I'd be, I'd be sitting there as a spectator, you know, and he'd sit down next to me cause he liked me and he, and me and him would just sit there and talk about, well, he should have done that a little bit better. You know, he could have just like tucked a little bit more. I mean, he would literally break it down on a near just like execution level of how everything is supposed to go. And I, I learned a lot from him doing that. Like. That's how I learned all the names of the moves because I had to learn that to be a, a commentator. That's how I learned all the move names. Uh, that's how I learned how to just kind of get hyped up, you know, get the crowd behind somebody and yeah. things like that. So looking at wrestling from the, compared to how I was when I was a kid when I first watched WCW compared to how I look at it now, I have a whole different appreciation for it, but in that same vein, when I didn't know anything about it and I was a mark, which is what people call people who actually believe it, that it's real, mm. when I was a full-blown mark, it was, again, I had a, that was a separate appreciation, but knowing what I know now, it's like I feel like I understand it more as it's happening on TV in front of me. Mm -hmm. It's like I'll see, I'll see somebody like cut a promo saying this or that, and then I'm like, oh, he's going to hit him now, and he's like, you know, he'll hit. And then, like, I could be watching a match, and, uh, you know, they'll get set up the right way. Kyra Damus says, watch out, watch out, watch out, RKO! It's our buddy Kyra Damus. We're doing good, bud. We appreciate you coming in. We were just, like, uh, talking about wrestling. I mean, as the title says, wrestling with wrestling. I mean, yeah, we're just kind of going over just some of our favorite things we like to talk about, like just uh, 
people we like and some of the things that we just kind of because one of the, our number one thing on this podcast is uh and we've actually got it as the quote on our uh, our web our web page you don't have to be an expert at something to be a nerd you just have to be passionate <laughs> so right. i mean that's and that, that's how i approach everything if i'm not passionate about it i'm not going to be as into it and especially obviously now this is wrestling i've always been a fan of wrestling and i can just i can get into this and just grind gears all day long yeah so we're just wrestling nerds talking about wrestling yeah i mean literally <laughs> um so like who is your favorite like newer wrestler of AEW's new generation like who do you think literally has like everything they need to actually be the next sting the next thing yeah know, i don't know well, well i know i'm reaching for the sky with that one but we're, we're gonna we're gonna throw that out there just right from the game i'd have to say my favorites right now on AEW. First Darby Allen. Yeah. I mean, you he's got Sting's fingerprints all over his character. I was about to say, you better phrase that right, because if he was gonna say all over his body, that would have sounded really I wasn't gonna bad. say body. <laughs> but really his, I'm bad. talking about just his character. You can see where Sting yeah. has had a big Left influence his imprint, on Darby. Yeah. I like Darby. Orange Cassidy is another one. Yeah. I mean, I can appreciate the gimmick. And he makes me laugh, and I find him very entertaining. But, again, that's, from being on the inside too much, I do look at it with a little bit of negativity to an extent. But, I mean, I can ignore it. Orange Cassidy, he, just, he entertained me. me. Just, and he's, It's just funny to me. I want to see him actually do a gimmick change. I'm not going to lie. I love the Orange Cassidy, just like no care in the world gimmick. But if he, like, actually winds up doing a uh, a different, like, persona, and he's more, like, actually active in how he acts... And that's I don't know, I just, say that, I like I like the 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 nonchalant, you know, oh well, don't care. Walks up to the other guy and just kind of pokes him with his foot, you know. <laughs> that to me, I don't know, it's just funny to me. Did you did you see the one that he did with Sting? That was hilarious. That was funny because they I were just dying. like kicking each other, and Sting's just like, I I was dying. <laughs> That was hilarious. Yeah, it's just like it's one of those moments where he's like, "Oh well, this is stupid, but I'm gonna go with it." It's just like you know that look on his face the whole and then time. Darby's, just, Darby's reaction. What are you doing? That, that funny. Was, that was hilarious. Uh, Kyra Damon says, "When I lived in Portland, Roddy Piper was big with Portland wrestling, dude. Roddy Piper was is always gonna be big. Rowdy Roddy wrestling. Piper. Yeah, he was. He was another one that I." Uh, that another one that I always like went. But as soon as I found out who he was, I went back and watched as much of him as I can. So there's another question. Who's your favorite like old wrestler that's actually not alive anymore? Like old school, old school. Mm. We're talking like 60s, 70s, 80s, old. I would have to say, just off the top of my head, I would have to say Dusty Rhodes. Yeah. Good the answer. American Dream, yeah. Dusty Rhodes. There ain't gonna be another one like him. No. You you can see it in both Cody and Dustin as a pair, but you cannot see it singly in either one of them. Yeah, if that makes any sense. Like you could see just both sides of Dustin, uh, Dusty, and both of them, and it just like, yeah, yeah they've they've always got to be working together. Otherwise, you're not going to get that same feeling that their dad gave. Yeah. which I love both of them equally because I love. I watched uh, Dustin when he was uh, in WCW as Dustin Rhodes. I watched him when he was Gold Dust. I watched him when he was Black Rain on TNA. Here's I remember. Thing. I remember watching the episode of Nitro when he came out as uh, what was his seven. Seven. I was about to yeah. go there. I was watching that, and I'm just like, 
even as a kid, I was just thinking that was just like, what? That promo that he cut when he first came out as seven is one of it. That's another one of my favorite promos of all time. Yeah. You know, it's like, take a look at this crap they've got me in, you know? Yeah. Now they're dressing me up like Uncle Fester. You know, I love that because he did legitimately look like Uncle Fester. That, that was funny. funny. That was funny. That was great. Yeah, that that's one of my favorites. Um, my favorite like old school wrestler, one of them at least, is uh, Killer Kowalski. Yeah. Now the the downside. Oh, Kyra Damon says Andre the Giant was was tight. Great HBO documentary about him too. Haven't seen the HBO documentary. Andre yet, the Giant's a that. good answer. Yeah, that's a good answer. Yeah, Andre was cool. You know that that man actually sat down and I think he put away like sixty something beers in one sitting. I wouldn't doubt that. Like, the human body technically can only take, like, I think it's like 15, the average is like 15 full mugs. This man put down, like, 60. I probably wish, I probably should have said Andre the Giant, but. I mean, we're talking, like, the broad spectrum of all time. But like, just, to me, like, old school wrestling, the first name that pops in my head is Dusty Rhodes. Yeah. You know. I can see that. Because, uh, but mine was, uh, one of my overall favorite old school is Killer Kowalski. The biggest reason why he's not like one of my all-time favorites is because there's there was only four of his matches that were ever televised, and only like I think two or three of which you can actually see. So he was another one of them that uh, you you hear bunches and bunches of stories about because everybody who knew him said that that man was legitimately terrifying in real life, and he knew how to make you just scream for your life in that ring if you made him mad. Like, he was one of them that, uh, if you watch him wrestle, he wasn't like a, you know, bounce around here, bounce around there. He would literally, like, grab your wrist, and he would hold it in such a way that you could not move. I mean, he legit knew how to just hurt you. And he was, he was one of the most feared in wrestling history, like right behind uh, uh, Haku and, you know, yeah. some of the other ones. I mean, he's he was always feared, but he was always, like, one of those that was glorified to be one of the best of all time. That kind of that reminds me of a story that I heard about Goldberg. Oh boy, WCW. William Regal. There's a story about William Regal. Yes, sir. Do the do. Hand me the down. Says do the do. <laughs> but there's a story in WCW where Goldberg was kind of starting to believe his own hype, and so. Oh yeah, I remember this now. Oh lord. Uh, Kyra Damon says, Andre put Steve Austin to shame. I had 50 beers, 60 beers, 70 beers. Yeah, that's I'm telling you. And then, uh, okay, I apologize. This is his name. Shit do be happening, though. Says, Goldberg. Goldberg. Goldberg's yeah. gonna kill you. Yeah. But there's a story about... Um, no bid, Leon says, I'm glad I came here. We're glad you came too, bud. Too, bud. We appreciate everybody that comes in. But Goldberg started kind of, his head started getting too big. He started believing in his own hype with the yeah. whole winning streak deal. Yeah. So William Regal decided that in a match, I can't remember if it was on Nitro or Thunder, William Regal like made Goldberg look like a fool. I think it was on Thunder because I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, he... Regal exposed him <laughs> on purpose, exposed Bill Goldberg in the ring. I think back then he was still going by Steven Regal. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that's an interesting story. Shit do be happening, though, says, ha, 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 I forgot that chant. Yeah. <laughs> no, nothing really just kind of, like, 
I, even to the, even today, even with Goldberg being as old as he is and not nowhere near the shape he used to be, still hearing those drums of his open of his theme and just seeing those sparks shoot up and just that is my, come walking out, it's still that's one of my favorite entries <laughs> of all time. Bill Goldberg, uh, hand me the downs, exposed him. Yeah, I mean uh, the thing about Goldberg was he looked good. He was massive. He's like what six eight yeah. or six seven something like that. So he was. He had the image that somebody needs to actually be successful in wrestling because number one, he did he was athletic back then. I mean, he could move. And he, he was knew, a football player. Yeah, he 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 knew how to move. Uh, he wasn't like a fast paced guy. At least he was less of an a hole than a lot of a hole wrestlers. Yeah, but uh, he was fat. He he could move. He wasn't like a high flyer, but he didn't really need it because he was big enough. He could lift up anybody. I mean, he good lord, he did the jackhammer to the giant and walked around the ring with him practically. Yeah, I mean. He had everything, but that does not make you the best wrestler in the world just looking like the best wrestler in the world. The big knock on Goldberg, like, to hear some of the old guys that was around him during that time. Yeah. The big knock on Goldberg is that he had the look, he had the physique, he had yeah. the charisma and all that. Yeah. But he wasn't a very good wrestler in the ring. Yeah. You know, that's why a lot of his matches, especially when they were breaking him in, were squash matches. Yeah. Because uh, Amity Consensus says jujitsu. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, William Regal knew some stuff. Yeah. Uh, Kyra Damon says someone on YouTube. Uh, I did a physics simulation of Owen Hart's fall into the ring. That must have been rough. Rip. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, I've got some things to tell about that here in a minute. Uh, shit do, do be happening though. He had that good footballer's blast. Yeah, definitely. When that man speared somebody, you, you if you blinked, you'd have missed it because he knew how to just literally like squat down. Well, he would and go just down take and take off. like a football player. Yeah, and he just explode out of that corner, and somebody was getting cut in half. And one thing about Bill Goldberg, and I gotta say this, it ain't wrestling related, but the big thing about Goldberg is that he's a fellow Georgia Bulldog. Oh, so. good lord. Yeah, he he's Georgia boy. I thought boy. he played for the Falcons. He did. He played his college ball at Georgia. Though. Oh, okay. I I don't watch football. Yeah, he he played for two of my favorite football ball? teams. So. Uh, hand me the down says. Plus, he had that hairy chest. <laughs> I'm a I'm a hockey man. Well, he was Jewish. Well, or he is Jewish. Sorry, I phrased that wrong. Was Jewish. He, he lost Jewish. his Jew card. <laughs> So, okay. <laughs> All right, man. Um, but no, uh, just because you look that way and you can actually like be popular that way does not in any way, shape, or form make you the best wrestler. Because all you got to do is throw them in here, with, throw them in there with somebody who's experienced enough, Jim like William Regal, and they will rip him a new one every time because they know. Because you know the figure four, you can't actually break somebody's leg with oh, that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I've. I was shown how to do it the right way to where somebody won't get hurt, and I was shown how to do it with when I really needed to mess somebody up that was giving me trouble in the ring, which I, I never went professional, but I learned enough that I could climb in now, give me a few minutes, and I can probably just, you know, do some stuff. Yeah. Because I did a lot. But, yeah, you, you put up somebody, you, if you go into a match and you don't know nothing about it, you have not been trained, and you're in there with somebody who's like a 10-year vet, you're going to get your asshole ring. I mean, that's the best way I can say that because yep. i've seen i've seen people go in and 
not have any prior experience whatsoever. They've never wrestled a match in their life. They put them in there with four people that were trained that had been wrestling for at least six years. They broke all four of his limbs and sent him to the hospital. I watched that happen. Mm. And that was terrifying to see. And that was when I learned a little thing called respect when you're inside that squared circle. Because if you go in there as a mark, you're going to get screwed. Just 100%. The best way I can say it. That's what happened to Goldberg. Not to that extreme. but No, not wasn't to that extreme. But, but William he, Regal definitely. He took that chip off his shoulder. Yeah. yeah. He humbled him. Well, Jericho supposedly did the same thing in the locker room. Goldberg came marching back there being That's all big another... and bad. And Jericho just like put him in the, like some kind of headlock and had him locked in. He could not move and about near choked him out to, to the point that he was passing out. You see, there was, of course, if you believe all the stories you hear, there was genuine dislike in WCW between Bill Goldberg and Chris Jericho. Yeah. I mean, they, they hated each other. But there was a genuine dislike. Yeah. Jericho wanted to feud with Goldberg. Mm-hmm. Goldberg didn't think he was up to par. Yeah. I mean, then but again, the size difference don't matter. Because Jericho was already big in Japan. I mean, he wrestled as a Lionheart. Yeah. And I believe he actually was masked at one time in Japan as well. I mean, it's you get in there with somebody that knows what they're doing, it's losing game. There ain't no way you're gonna you're you're gonna walk away with one less chip and a half off your shoulder on top yeah. of what you got taken off of you. Uh, Kyra Damon says, have you seen Goldberg in the Universal Soldier sequel with Van Damme? Straight to video. Great for a movie night. I have not seen that one. Have you not? I, I remember the original Universal Soldier, but I didn't see anything past that. Because uh, I, I know they brought back Van Damme for another Universal Soldier, and they had Goldberg in there. With I didn't him. know they did another one. Yeah. They did like three, I think, in total. Huh. I remember of, the original. Yeah. Speaking of, go, uh, speaking of movies, our favorite movie... One of our favorites, <laughs> Ready to Rumble. Ready oh. to Rumble, yes, sir. Oh, man. 1999. Man, if anything good came out of that Vince Russo era, it was that movie. That I movie. just hate, I hate that Bischoff wasn't around for that movie. Yeah, it would have been way different if he would have actually been in there instead of uh, St. Clair or whatever his name was. Yeah. But even then, the movie, I still rewatch it to this day. It it's still funny. makes me it's laugh. Funny. It's actually a pretty funny movie. And a lot of the stuff that they were doing in the movie was actually based on real life. Like um, Sal Mandini, yep. he was based on Stu Hart. Because a lot of people that actually like ever, ever dared to go into the Hart dungeon always walked away with almost the exact same tale about Stu Hart. He'd walk outside before you even walk in the door, and he would just kind of, he'd look on you, kind of squeeze your arm a little bit. Like, you're a pretty broad-shouldered young man. You look like you could <laughs> wrestle. And before long, before they even realized that he would have him in some kind of hole where he's like, if you pry enough pressure right here, you ain't going to escape. And he would knock them out right there on the front lawn. Just have them just screaming for their life. Everybody almost had that same exact story that's ever talked about the dungeon. Uh, Kyra Damon says, I think it's called Universal Soldier The Return. Yeah, that sounds right, because I remember seeing that in the bargain bin at Walmart once, in the $5 bin. Sorry, Mom in the bargain bin once. Question Ooh. for everybody watching. who? How many of y'all out there have seen Ready to Rumble? Oh, it's man. It's been a hot minute. That movie was great. I'm, I'm curious. That. Because that movie right there is 
it's one of my favorite all-time movies and i've heard that movie people crap on that movie yeah because well, i guess it's, it's mostly because of how it tied into the ongoing nitro and of course they put the belt yeah. on david arquette because of that stuff okay so i'm not even going to try to sugar sugarcoat it and say that david arquette was a mistake in wcw but i will say that since then and I don't know if you've seen the documentary yet or not, but David Arquette actually tried to get back into wrestling again, and he yeah. he put forth effort. Yeah, I mean, I'll give him that. He didn't care what he had to put his body through; he was going to do it. And I'll give him I'll give him that respect because that, that, that the sport's not for everybody. I can tell you firsthand that thing takes a toll on you. I just don't want to see him in AEW. Yeah, I, I just mean, don't. If he got, if he got brought in as just a celebrity guest appearance for everybody to crap on and then just kind of let him, you know, do his thing. You know, <laughs> if it was just like a one-time appearance, he wasn't going to wrestle or anything. Kyra Damon says, haven't seen it. Ha-ha. Yeah, it came out in 99. It's, you will laugh. Yeah. Trust me, you will laugh. It's I think funny. I watched it with Kendall forever. Yeah, ago. probably did. I mean, that, that movie went around the household. I mean, and, and yeah. every part of the family watched it because almost every part of my family and yours was a wrestling fan at some point. So I've watched a bit with my dad, but not a whole. Yeah. It's more boxing with him. Yeah, understandable. Like, I, I do like watching those. I remember. Boxing I remember one well. night we went through and watched just a ton of like Myson, uh, Mike Tyson, Myson, Myson, Mike Tyson, Myson just Tyke. like super <laughs> quick like knockouts and shit. I was over there watching some Myson Tyke whoop on on no uh, Ahmed Mali. This <laughs> is what I got from that. Um, but no, Ready to Rumble was a good movie. Uh, it was again because of its tie into the actual like real wrestling world, it got crapped on super bad. But yeah. it's still still funny. Uh, Uzi One says this isn't the new Pirates of the Caribbean. I'm trying to watch. New, no, it's better quality than that. As much as I I actually partly enjoyed the new Pirates, but it it was all right. Yeah, it was better than four, but. But yeah, it was good for what it was. Uh, that had the the Ready to Rumble had David Arquette and uh, what was the other dude's name? I've seen him in a remember. bunch of stuff since then, but I can't. Think I don't of his even name. remember. But on there, that you had like they had Sid Vicious, they had Perry Saturn, Perry Saturn yeah. Goldberg was in it, Sting, Booker DDP. T was in it, yep. Sting, DDP. I mean, they had it was a full it was a WCW fanboy movie if there ever was one. Because yep. I mean, everything about that movie was making fun of. Uh, marks and then inversely <laughs> making fun of uh the business itself wrestling's not fine wrestling is not fine <laughs> uh kyra damon says there were a couple nba players uh dennis rodman and carl malone who i think did a tag team thing on wcw barely remember though i remember dennis rodman rodman joined yeah. the nwo yeah I, I do remember that i do not remember carl malone he might have made you know but that was back when uh and y'all don't crucify me if I get this wrong, but I want to okay. say this was during the time when the Bulls were going through their dynasty. Oh, uh, yeah. That's just before my, uh, Michael came back, wasn't it? It's right before Michael. It was back. right around that same time, but like Rodman joining the NWO was like late. It was like 98, right around 98. Yeah. I do, I, yeah. That was another thing that WCW did, which I could have done without, was some of their celebrity appearances, because we all remember RoboCop mm -hmm. being on Halloween Havoc. Yeah. The Kiss Demon. The Kiss Demon. That was, I actually found out the other day, 
that was actually done because uh, um, Gene Simmons actually signed a contract with WCW to have the character Demon based on him. And Gene Simmons had it written in the contract that the Demon had to be in a main event at a pay-per-view. That was part of the contract. That's why he faced um, all... Who'd he face? I think it was at Halloween Havoc that year. Um, um, yeah, he, they put him in the main event of that pay-per-view, and that was literally because of the contract they had written up for it. But going back to Ready to Rumble, yeah, there's a story. It was when the Bulls were doing well, late 90s, yeah. yeah. I figured it was right around that time. Yeah. But there's a story DDP tells about how he wanted the end of Ready to Rumble to go. He wanted the end to be the two main characters going Sean into a, Gordy. going into a bar and seeing. And if you haven't, you have to see the movie to get what we're talking about. Yeah. But they walk into a bar and see um, DDP and then Goldberg, and Jimmy King, and whoever Jimmy it King, was, yeah, like shaking hands and um. Like shaking hands and looking at them too, saying, Welcome to the business, boys. Yeah, because the whole movie, it plays off as if it's all real. Yeah. And then, yeah, DDP wanted to do that ending, which at the time would have been a terrible idea because that would have really pulled back the curtain even more than it was already pulled back. And that yeah. would have been like right there in front of mainstream audiences. And I feel like, the, as much as I would have liked to see that ending now because of how much I know about the business itself. Yeah. Back then, that would have been a bad idea. I mean, I mean, to me, over the years, I mean, it's always kind of been known wrestling was, and I hate to use the term fake, because they put their bodies. It's a through. performance. Yeah, it's it's literally a performance. Yeah. I mean, there it is a dangerous sport. You can get yes. really messed up. I mean, it. and I know that firsthand. I've been hit over the head with uh, uh, street signs, uh, steel chair, Florescent. crutch, Florescent uh, Singapore cane. The Singapore cane was one of the worst things I got hit with. Because the thing about those is they bend. You don't got to worry about it hitting right here. It's that it's tip tough. wrapping around and just popping you right there in the top of your spine. Buddy, that hurt. That'll set you on fire and put you in the floor crying. That crap hurts. Uh, Kyra Damon says, I played WCW Backstage Brawl on N64 back in the day. Good times. I actually had WCW versus NWO World Tour on the... Uh, Nintendo 64. Me and my cousin used to play WCW NWO <laughs> Revenge on N64. Yeah. Those were some good games. We used to play, we played the crap out of that game. Man, I, I just want to take a minute and just appreciate how uh, simple and fun wrestling games used to be. Mm -hmm. Up until um, they started really taking a drastic change with like uh, SmackDown vs. Raw, I think 2010. Or 2011, somewhere around there, they took this huge drastic change that just kind of really was taken into place. It didn't need to go, and then WW12, as it was called back then, was the first one to just use that new formula that just messed all the games up. And it's just they have not had a good game since the. They haven't had a commercially successful game since like SmackDown versus Raw 05. The last SmackDown vs. Raw game I played was, it was either 06 or 07, I can't remember. I, think, I, want, I want to say it was 06. Uh, Kyra Damon says, also used to do Walls of Jericho to the foam noodle things at the local swimming pool, too. Man, I wrestled backyard. I actually got in the wrestling ring and pulled around, and buddy, that, that crap hurts. Uh, and yeah, I've always been involved in wrestling a lot over the years, whether it be just as a spectator, as a uh, 
uh, wrestler in training or being a guinea pig because when somebody made a new weapon, they wanted to test it to make sure it was okay. Them not knowing I was 13 years old, and I'm just like, do it on me! Yeah. I, <laughs> what do you want me to do on you? Uh, Sid8410 says, hello from the great Kali's country. Hey, man, what's up? We appreciate you. That'd be in the Punjab, wouldn't it? Or Punjab, is that, I must say, I'm, I'm terrible at, I'm terrible at names, excuse me. In Punjab? <laughs> Language. Okay. We're just the meek Georgia boys, aren't yeah, we? Yeah, we're very, very, <laughs> very, like, no, I wouldn't say un unintelligible, but yeah. I I'm close, yeah. I'm right there on that line. I know. I'm very much aware. But I do remember Great Collie. I do yeah. remember. I remember him in the longest yard. <laughs> that was funny. Because, what was, uh... We were actually talking about the longest yard. Then. Yeah, I love the longest yard. Even today, that movie's still funny to me. It had so many wrestlers in it. Stone Cold was in it, wasn't Stone it? Cold, Stone Cold, Goldberg, Goldberg Great yeah. Collie. I mean, they had several wrestlers in it, shockingly enough. And if I remember right, I think that was before... Oh, Kevin Gold Nash was in it, too. Yeah. I think that was before Goldberg made his return to wrestling. But before he came back to WWE that first time. Kyra Damon says Great Collie is dope. Yeah, he was pretty cool. I mean, I actually did. When he when he first came in as the heel, when he attacked the Undertaker. Yeah. Yeah. I liked him back then. I mean, you know, looking back, you know, he wasn't really a wrestler. He didn't have any training. But he, you know, he would look good to be a bad guy. Yeah. And he, I ain't gonna lie, he put on some pretty decent matches, not really knowing what he was doing. I yeah. mean, he did. I mean, his match with under all of his matches with Undertaker, the Last Man Standing match I mean, on SmackDown was, was great. He was in that Punjabi prison match. Yes, they've only done like three of those. I think three or it four ain't of them. A whole lot. Yeah, the first one was actually pretty good because that one was uh, Undertaker and Big Show. Call he wasn't even in it. The second one was, uh, I believe, Kali and Batista. And then the third one was um, uh, Mahal. Jinder uh, Mahal. Jinder Mahal. And yeah. um, oh, who'd you wrestle on that one? I... Maybe John Cena. You're talking about where he won the WWE Championship? Probably. Uh, Kyra Damon's Punjab, the un unintelligible, would be a great wrestler name. You should trademark that. Oh, Lord, the shots begin. Oh, that'd be awful. So, uh, bringing it back into the uh, modern era, um, do you think that <coughs> AEW has anything they should work on immediately? Like, any actual, like, problems that they have that they need to try to focus on. I think the number one if if I had a gripe about AEW, yeah. My number one gripe would be over promising under delivering. Yeah. I mean a lot of companies make that. I mean, you had the uh the bot at Revolution, the exploding oh, barbed wire. Me and you were watching that and it was so funny. We sat there and that, laughed about that was, it for a solid 20 minutes after that. That was such a letdown. It was, yeah. but that gummit, it was funny. We laughed so hard And then, of course, that. AW tried to play it off. Like, oh, that was just part of the storyline. Oh, sabotage, know. yeah. No, yeah, it, yeah, it, yeah. It was a botch. Yeah. Which, I mean, those happen. I mean, I can't really jab at him for that because that, that does happen. That happens a lot. 
my phone keeps ringing. I'm gonna have to step outside. All right. All right. Um, no promises. I'm not still your seat. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think. What's it? I was watching the other day. What's up? Man, I'm kind of sitting here talking about wrestling. And I'm just, I'm just. Oh, you've been hit with. Oh, sorry. What in the world are they talking about? <laughs> yeah. You've been hit with fluorescent lights as well, haven't you? Actually, no. That is one thing that I did avoid. Getting hit. I thought by. you said you did get hit. No, by. I've watched uh, several people get hit with them, and I've helped them make some of the like bundles of constructs, but I've never actually been hit with one. I am not. I am not willing to do that because that can. I've seen. I've seen the the. I've seen where it doesn't do a whole lot of damage, and I've seen it do massive amounts of damage. It's literally a toss up of like who's swinging it. So. Because okay. I've seen people get hit over the head and their head will be fine except for maybe just a couple of little scratches. And I've seen people hit over the back and it just, they had to get staples, like at least 30 of them to seal that up. I mean, it, it just depends on who's swinging it. I'm, you know, I was not willing to do that. That was one thing that I did steer away from. I steered away from uh, light tubes and thumbtacks. Because oh, the worst thing I always heard about thumbtacks was it wasn't hitting them. It was pulling them out. Because people, a lot of times when they wore shirts or some kind of tights, when they went in, they would literally stick in, in your skin, hanging out. And whenever they would actually go to, go to the back and go to take them out, they would literally just grab the bottom of your shirt and just lift it all at once and make them all pop out. Because that was the only way you were going to get out of that. Ah, uh, yeah. I'll, I'll worry about Speaking that later. Speaking of thumbtacks... That Brit Baker match on AEW. Yeah. I, I, again, I haven't seen a whole lot of AEW recently because I don't get cable. That, but. that was... It's been, I want to say, like a month ago. Yeah. I probably saw clips of it. But they showed actually behind the scenes of them actually pulling the thumbtacks out yeah, of her back. That's, yeah. That, everybody yeah. always says that is the worst. It's hard to watch. Uh, AC... My, um, Modder, I guess I'm saying that right, says, Howdy, folks. What's up, bud? Appreciate you coming. We're just kind of just having a spiritual conversation spiritual about wrestling. Uh, well, I mean, about wrestling. About wrestling, yeah. So we got uh, Rampage coming out next week. That's yeah. on next Friday. CM Punk speculated to be there. Really excited for that. And we're supposed to be getting, uh, uh, what's he going to go by? Brian Danielson? Yeah. Yeah. The American Dragon. AC Motor says Moss. Yeah. Yep. Um, I'm really looking forward to Rampage. Um, they were talking about either do you would say you was talking about it earlier. Uh, they were talking about extending Dynamite an extra hour or making a separate show. Yeah. And although, um, I love my wrestling. Three hours to me is too long for a single show if it's not a pay per view. I mean, it yep. is. Because uh, you can do everything you need to do in two hours, and it's good self-contained runtime. You know, you don't got to worry about bleeding over if you plan it the right way. You know, it's it's just better to be safe than sorry when it comes to time. Because we all know what happened on that WCW pay-per-view when they went over. I don't even remember which pay-per-view it was, but uh, they were doing the main event, and in the like right there toward the end of the match, the last six or seven minutes of the match was just cut. Because they bled over, they they hit their line of how much they were allowed to be on TV, and yeah, so 
Better to be, better to be safe than sorry when it comes to time, yeah. because that'll that'll really. I wasn't in the what I was talking about before my phone rang. Oh, what's that? Um, AEW overpromising, underdelivering. I'll tell you yeah. another thing that was kind of disappointing is when Christian Cage debuted. I mean, I thought it was cool that he was there, and I'm happy that he's competing again. I just hope but it takes they, it easy. To me, to me, they hyped it up way too much. I mean, to be fair, I mean. Christian is a good wrestler. Yeah, but I don't think that... I he don't was, think he was it, worth that much hype. I just... I don't... I mean, he's he's made a return, what, three or four times now? Because he left that... Now, CM Punk, definitely. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's been nine years coming. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, been waiting on that for a hot minute. Uh, Wantan223 says, Harpsichord Daydream must be like the most fancy vape juice ever. <laughs> hey man, we get big enough, we'll have our own vape juice. You can rest assured. Bet. So, Quantano uh, two two three says, "By the way, by the way, I think your entire right channel is out. It, it's this microphone. It's not picking up a right channel." What, bud? Yeah, it's only showing like the left side on the, on our actual input. I'll have to get on there and probably play with those settings later. Yeah. Yeah, it's a struggle of working with the this equipment. It's not up to par sometimes. But, uh, yeah, we got Rampage coming out next week. Do you think that uh, Rampage is going to live up to the hype? With, with it Punk only having there, an hour of screen time. If CM Punk is there, definitely. Yeah, you know as well as I do, he could walk in and carry that whole show by himself doing a promo, and it would still be good quality because of how he can talk. That man can run his mouth more than anybody. At Dynamite, not last night, but last week, Yeah, the CM Punk chants were already starting. Yeah. We were talking about Rampage. Dude, I'm so... Part of me is terrified that it's not true. There's just a small part of me that thinks it's yeah, a but little AW, crap, but, yeah. Because, I mean, AW is loving the publicity they're getting out of it. Yeah, that is a good point. Uh, AC Motter says, do you guys feel wrestling is more popular today than it was 15 years ago? Yes. Thanks to Cody Rhodes and AW, yes. Yes. I mean, the whole elite, because they're all putting in their time. I mean, the Young Bucks, Kenny Omega, Kenny Omega yeah. Tony Khan, yeah, all of them are just putting in the time to really just make it yeah. come out. Uh, popular, actually, the word, the actual, like, um, general meaning of popular, I don't know if it, I would say it's as popular as it was back then, because, uh, 15 years ago, it would have been 2006, um, back then. You had WWE and TNA, and that was, that was it. it, and wrestling was popular, and I mean, it was, that was back when WWE still had all of its steam from. And WWE had yeah. no legitimate competition back then. Yeah. They do now. Which AC Motor said, "Who's the top star today?" Oof, the top star today. Mm-hmm. That's actually on TV. Um, I'm, I'm gonna have to throw the dog a bone and say Kenny Omega, because I, I mean that man, that man works. Right now, Kenny Omega is the face of two companies. Yeah. But, I mean, besides that, just in-ring ability alone, I mean, he can put on a show. I mean, his match with uh, Pac, uh, his matches with, uh, uh, almost said Dean Ambrose, John Moxley, they can put on just oh, yeah. a hell of a show. I mean, they had several good matches. 
Anybody that Kenny Omega climbs in the ring with, he just instantly just makes that match an instant classic. I mean, he yeah. does. I mean, that's just because of his ability. Now, him and CM Punk tearing the house down, I would pay to see that. I would gladly shell out $50 to see that pay-per-view. I mean, yeah. just from that idea, I would do that. AC Motor said thanks. Googling them now. Yeah, Kenny Omega. He went by, uh, when he was in Japan, he went by Omega Virus, I think was what he went by, like in his early days. I don't know. I've I've always known him as Kenny Omega. Yeah, but he wrestled. I actually watched him when he was in New Japan. Yeah, because New Japan used to come on. I forget exactly what channel it was, but I used to watch New Japan. I, I think it was actually ESPN because I feel like they also showed reruns of AWA. I don't think it was ESPN. I want to say it was like Access TV or something like that. Oh yeah, Access has impact now. Oh, they do? They went back to Access? Yeah. Because I know they were on uh, Destination America for the longest time, yeah. which that was their low point. Well, see, I knew, like, when AEW first, like, came into being, Kenny Omega I knew from New Japan, because I'd actually seen him wrestle in New Japan. Mm-hmm. I knew the Young Bucks from Ring of Honor. Yeah. There's a lot of people from Ring of Honor that go on to be massive stars. I mean, Daniel Bryan... CM Punk, Samoa Joe, Kevin Owens, Seth Rollins. I mean, a lot of them didn't get that level of being big until they hit Ring of Honor. And I'm hoping that, uh, I don't mean to crap on on Ring of Honor in any way, shape, or form. I like Ring of Honor, and I feel like they've they've done enough to earn their credit and earn earn the respect of anybody who actually watches wrestling and loves it. But... That whole fiasco with AEW just literally taking their money and taking their fans all in one swoop with all out because that, because Ring of Honor had all in. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was funny as hell. And I mean, it was it was a it was a bit major business decision that I can't necessarily disagree with, even though it was partly under. I kind of knew, but when that all in show ended. I, I, you, you got the vibes that something big was on the horizon, yeah. that something was fixing to happen. That was ROH's, like, most watched uh, pay-per-view in, like, forever. And they sold it out in yeah. less than 30 minutes. Yeah. Dude, Rampage sold out in less than 20. Yeah. I mean, just because of the buzz of CM Punk possibly being there. No confirmation, no nothing. They, everybody heard CM Punk was going to be there, and it sold out immediately. Same thing with the uh, all-in, or all-out. All out, yeah, yeah. You see the, yeah, you see the little shot there. Um, same thing with all out. It sold out almost near instantly. I mean, sure. just there's so much hype going around AEW right now. If they drop this ball right now, then it's it's not going to happen. They're never going to get this chance again to make a big an impact. Impact. See what it did there. <laughs> Um, they're never going to be able to make this huge statement like they are now because they have everything working in their favor with every single bit of support they could ever ask for. But, I mean, to be fair, to be fair to AEW, they haven't really, they haven't announced CM Punk. Yeah. They haven't announced Daniel Bryan. It's literally just speculation. All of that comes from secondary websites. (laughs) Some of which are actually reliable. Give it, yeah, they have that credit. Some of the I, mean, I truly believe we're gonna get CM Punk and Daniel Bryan. I, I mean, really want to see. Yeah, if not Daniel Bryan, CM Punk definitely because you heard about what he put on his Twitter, right? Yeah. He posted a Twitter like it wasn't long after that whole like confirmation rumor started. 
he posted a thing that said one more time and he posted the audio for when Michael Jordan came back to the Bulls that uh, Alan Parsons project song he posted that on Twitter <laughs> and that's all he posted that's the only thing that we've seen out of him in oh, the here's, since here's the another, here's another name <laughs> Bray Wyatt yeah he got released earlier this week it's rumored and that I Bray hated Wyatt. that Bray Wyatt is coming to AEW. I wouldn't be surprised. He's been teased. He's been teasing a new faction called the Cult of Wyndham. Oh, ho, ho, ho. we're getting like a true, like, unleashed him having full him, control. Braun Strowman, and there's a third one. It's probably uh, uh, um, rumored to come to AEW. Uh, uh, what was the, re uh, the red-haired one? Tuscan Mono. Yeah. What you got? Simba. Yes, sir. Um, because he was rumored, uh, uh, he was on there before. It was the red, the red one that had the red beard and the bald head. We got Luke Harper as Andy Brody. Andy. No, no, no. Uh, we got Luke Harper as a uh, Brody Lee. God rest him. Um, but uh, uh, Eric Rowan, that was his name. He was on uh, AEW at one time. I think he was on the Dark, or he was on the uh, one of the other things they did. I feel like he was on there at one time. Oh, thank you, sir. You're a, you're a magician. We actually have uh, sound in both in both sides now. You're a magician. You're a magician. Magician. Oh yeah. Um, I I think that he might come in because if he does, then that means we'll have most of most of the white family together again. Again, uh, Brody Lee passed away. Uh, still feeling the after effects of that because it doesn't feel like it was that long ago that he was like the head no. of the Dark Order. No. And uh, which. I do like how the Dark Order's doing because they just got Hangman Page as part of their stable. I mean, unofficially, unofficially, but after that entrance at uh, last week's Dynamite, that was awesome. Yeah, that that's all the confirmation in the world that you know it's heading in a new direction. Yeah. Which could you another thing? Could you imagine those three horsemen in the same place as Hangman Adam Page with his entrance? How it used to be because that was very reminiscent of Four Horsemen. Yeah. You could get a Bray Wyatt family versus Dark Order. I would not be against that. Storyline, because that, that's the Dark Order versus the Colt. And that actually sounds like a legitimately good... Oh, no. The Dark Order's got enough people. Uh, the Colt would have to get enough people. But they could do another uh, Blood and Guts. And it would be... And it'd be pretty stellar. And don't drop the ball with the end. Yeah. That's, that's another gripe. But I, have I actually didn't see that blood and guts. When Jericho fell off the cage, I mean, I get, you know, he's in his 50s. He can't take big bumps anymore. Yeah. AEW botched the way that that ended. First of all, it ended on a surrender pretty much. Yeah. I wasn't a fan of that. And then they botched the camera angle with Jericho falling on that crash map. Yeah. You know, it could have looked better. Yeah. Than what it did in the ending, you know, just you can't end a match, especially a match that you've built up and hopped up. Yeah, because Blood and Guts was almost a year in the making because originally it was going to be ju just before the pandemic got as bad as it was. We were supposed to get Blood and Guts the week after. And then that happened and they had and they came out and said, we're real sorry because of the whole pandemic. We've got to rework things, which is right. fully understandable because that impacted everybody. And yeah, so that was pretty much a year in the making for the first blood and guts. So if they when they do it again, they yeah, they'll need to they'll need to be careful. But um 
I tell you what, uh, I kind of want to see. Uh, I would love to see uh, uh, Impact do another legitimate, proper lethal lockdown. Like the way it used to be. I'd like to see Impact go back to the six-sided ring. Yeah, that too. I mean, that. I don't think that's going to happen, but. That was part of TNA's charm because I again you've yep. never seen that before. I mean, at least yeah. like do a pay per view. That's hundred percent old school. Like TNA. old school TNA yeah. have the six sided ring. I would love. I would pay to see that. Yeah, literally, pay per view. Yeah, I mean, bring back, uh, do it at the uh, impact. Not even, not even call it impact. Literally, just say TNA Slammiversary, and that's literally the. It could it could potentially be the revival of old school TNA. They tried on Impact a while back. They that was like a good the, show though. What Slammiversary? Like when they when they did the TNA. They did back. Yeah, yeah. I did see that. I did watch that. I sat down and watched that segment. I really liked it because it had a lot of references and throwbacks. I mean, we had Suicide for goodness sakes. I didn't think they'd get away with having him on camera anymore because of his name, with the way Cash. everything is now. Yeah, they had Kid, Kid Cash. Uh, Raven appeared there, didn't he? I know Scott Steiner did because he did Steiner come out. And he was wearing his NWO shirt. <laughs> yeah, I that was that, that was cool. Yeah, you think Scott Steiner will pop up in AEW? I don't think so. No, I just I don't see it. I I wouldn't be shocked if he did, but he better not be wrestling. He better be strictly just a coach or muscle man or something. Because I don't, as much as I love Scott Steiner. He does not have that in-ring ability anymore. Holla, if you hear me. Yeah. No, he didn't say holla. He said holler because he's so just Southern. I mean, good, good, good Lord's sake, he lives in the, was it South, North or South Carolina. I thought he was from Michigan, from Detroit, Michigan. That's where he was billed as. Well, and that may have been where they're originally from, but yeah, both both him and uh, Rick live in the North Carolina. Rick's actually the head of the... Uh, um, school board of where he lives and uh has got a uh i think a restaurant rick steiner walked away from wrestling after wcw folded yeah until scott got him to came back got rick to come back for tna because they did do a match i remember watching that match when it was it was him and rick versus um oh who'd they face I think they faced the Dudley Boys, actually. Well, Team 3D and TNA. I yeah. think that's who they faced, because I remember they got into a heated feud, and they he brought... Rick just kind of came in out of nowhere, and it was super cool, because he still looked like Rick Steiner. He still looked like the Mad Dog. I yeah. mean, it was just great. <laughs> or the... Oh, well. The, uh, the... They called him the, uh... I don't know, what was it? The Dog-Faced Gremlin? Yeah. 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 Yeah, that was what they called him. Yeah, he still looked almost the exact same way he did back in the day, except he just had gray in his beard. That was mm -hmm. it. It was it was cool seeing him come back. Well, I hate to have to run, but I got somewhere I gotta be at seven o'clock. I understand it would be a good time to wrap up anyway. <laughs> Think um, you're better than us? Oh, he's all elite, you know, it's this guy uh, over here. <laughs> we appreciate everybody coming in and uh, giving in their comments and uh, throwing in on our uh, discussion of wrestling. We appreciate uh, all of your support. We appreciate the people that are going to be listening to this later on on Anchor, anchor.fm, where you can find us. Uh, you can also become a supporter on anchor.fm. It's uh, 
in the form of monthly subscriptions for $0.99, cents, $4.99, and $9.99 a month. Um, that And that's purely just to support us and get better equipment and all that and kind of, you know, advance this uh, podcast to be a little bit more well-equipped, which now we're right. We're coming out of left and right. We're stereo now. We're not mono anymore. So, um, yeah, just... Uh, Harpsichord Daydream now yep. in stereo. <laughs> Yeah, we're getting retro all up in here. Uh, But yeah, we'll catch you guys in the next episode. Take it easy. Mm.